Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 245. My name is NBZ and uh, I am officially now an American Bally. Uh, it has happened and um, yeah, I actually, I don't th- I think I ever want to go back there again. I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with America as a place. Um, but I you did survive. That. I still think your trip was better than my trip. Yeah, I don't know. What? Oh, your, you mean your actual trip that you yeah, just oh, took? No, not, to not your my most trip to America. Trip to, yeah, my trip yeah. to to down south. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where uh, Bally Junior managed to infect seven people, including me and Caroline, with his sick bug that made me throw up for the first time in twenty years. Um, yeah, we need yeah. to dig into this, right? Because I don't know if we've explained it that much on the podcast, but Bally <laughs> doesn't puke. Like it's this weird puke. thing. Um, there's like I remember a time back, like when we were at school, where like we were on a bus and I was very sick and like I needed to go. The whole to the back bus was throwing. Everyone up. was throwing up, and Bally was like, "Why are you so sick?" And I'm like, "Why are you not, you weirdo?" <laughs> um, so Bally just has an iron stomach and just doesn't puke at any time ever, um, even like when you've been drunk or whatever. It's like extremely yeah. rare. So I did throw up from alcohol 10 years ago i will admit to that mm-hmm. um but i've not thrown up from sickness in over 20 years um and let me tell you my iron stomach was working hard because my my stomach was and my consciousness was being like no you will not throw up it's not <laughs> happening and i kid you not my body was like you bally you're going to throw up no matter what this oh, is no. going to happen my my the like i could feel my feet and my hands tingling and pulsating as my body was like trying to force it out of me it, honestly it felt like i was gonna say an exorcism i don't know what an exorcism <laughs> feels like but it felt well, like exorcism don't really exist but honestly sure, yeah. like this bug was like bally you are not going to not be sick like you absolutely have to do it and yeah it happened and yeah it was it was rough but honestly like it's one of those things where had me and Caroline not had Bally Jr., Caroline would be in the bathroom with me like, Bally, are you all right? Is it okay? And, mm-hmm. But you can't, we've got a kid. She's uh-huh. looking after him. I'm yep. in the bathroom by myself just getting on with it. Like, that's just, that's just life. So yeah, yeah. that was, that made our trip um, very fun indeed, uh, followed by about 10 days of Bally Jr. having diarrhea. So good stuff. I'm, I'm talking yeah. like 14 nappy changes a day. A day jesus um, christ we'd like wait we change his nappy half an hour later we hear his butt bubbling again and it's like right take, and, uh, honestly it was soul destroying like that that trip uh but to his credit he was an absolute trooper on the drive uh up and down where we only did two stops all the way from edinburgh down to oxted and then all the way back basingstoke to edinburgh that um, could have been a lot worse so it could have been a lot yeah. worse oh and then just to rub it all in uh part of the car fell off and that oh my god three, 300 pounds to fix at the oh, garage shit. okay well uh, so, not yeah. great not successful it was like a suspension coil so yeah i think your trip as um even though you had a couple of rougher areas was uh-huh. still um, yeah a little bit better than that no yeah. yeah it was definitely a lot better um yeah i mean um you know i, I had some other cool things happen as well like yeah. uh, a gdc going to the igf awards uh, which was uh, amazing because one of our games was nominated um and then it won the award i was like what the fuck <laughs> what's going on here uh, so that was amazing um and then i also uh, i talked about this a little bit on twitter but um i was a i was a bafta judge this year for bafta yeah. games um so yeah i was part of the jury uh, deciding on uh, one of the categories so uh yeah i 
don't know. <laughs> Things have been going in opposite directions, I guess, in some ways for us. But, um, you know, we'll come back in the end uh, to this little podcast to talk yeah. about video games. Uh, and that's, that's what we're going to do middle. here today. Um, so, uh, yeah. Bali, do you want to tell the folks at home what today's show is going to entail? Yeah. So there was a little... Uh, was it a Zelda Direct? It was just like a presentation. It was Anuma this. sitting at a desk doing a Let's Play. Anuma at a desk, looking very yeah. handsome as always, um, telling us a little bit about Tears of the Kingdom. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk then talk about the games that we have been playing. And then for the second segment, we are going to get back to some emails. It's been a few shows, so we're going to dive into those. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, if you want to check out some... Uh, behind the scenes from my travels in america you can head over to our patreon patreon.com slash this nintendo life and i have put up a uh, a kind of travel log there for five dollars and above patrons so i having listened to it it is very entertaining i had a really good time listening to it it was it was it was fun hearing your journey um, mm-hmm. through the land of uh, spicy chicken sandwiches oh boy yeah that was a, was a fun adventure um so yeah if you want to hear my thoughts on gdc and and uh, all the stuff that happened at disney um yeah go ahead and, and check that out um and yeah you'll get a bit more in depth but um bally uh let's kick things off with the zelda is happening it's coming and uh, they did drop that big old thing that big old video um and i actually was speaking of disney in disney on that right, day yeah. um so i i was like uh basically in line for rise of the resistance when that was happening and i'm like i don't have the time to look at this right now but the thing is the the uh, wi-fi at disney was quite good so what i ended up doing was i um i I went on those couple of rides and then i was waiting in line for star tours and so star tours was like a half an hour uh, wait in the line so i was like all right this is a great opportunity for me to get my phone out um you know get some wi-fi and uh, sit there and watch this tears of the kingdom presentation and um i was pretty delighted with it i think i think there's lots of cool stuff in here that we can dig into but um i think fundamentally what this said is hey look you you know all that cool physics and, and chemistry stuff that we were doing before how about we amplify that 10 times mm. and see what comes out the other end of it so um yeah i'm i'm coming away from it pretty positive how are your kind of overall feelings Bally, going into this this final month basically before yeah. the game comes out i'm i'm very positive i i messaged you having watched it saying i think you're gonna like this 10 minutes of gameplay mm-hmm. i didn't know what to expect and with 10 minutes you know it's so short that you think are they gonna actually demonstrate anything that's that interesting in that time and they definitely did like they introduced a number of mechanics that we were unaware of or like didn't know fully how they would work uh and they have me very excited about that game and I think what's so great is that it dangled the carrot without giving yes. too much away. And that's ultimately the perfect balance of what you want. It's, it's like a teaser trailer, but with gameplay, you know? Like, it's just yeah. teasing it, you know? And that's that's exactly what we wanted. And I have to say, I, I always appreciate Nintendo for this because they tend to always be like, okay, our presentation we're not going to do a thing where we give you a cinematic uh, story thing or we're not going to do a thing where we start explaining the world we're like no here's the video game here it is this is us playing it this is what it looks like this is what you are going to experience firsthand um and i think that's uh, well on display in this this little presentation um so so yeah i guess we can kind of dig into like the particulars of it and the, the things that are going on here um it, the funny thing i found actually was that every single thing that they show in this video has been shown in a trailer before only we didn't have the context for it right so oh, like really? there have Including been the moments first ability the yeah the, the, the rewind melting. yep so um so the the recall thing was shown in a trailer where link rolls a spiky ball back up a hill right sorry i didn't mean recall i meant the merging of 
weapons well actually if you look at so there's one shot in one of the trailers where link has this big kind of like hammer that shoots out a fireball at the Uh, end of it um where he does a front flip and shoots that that is that's a fused weapon right totally um and there's another one where he has a dragon arm on with like fire coming out of it again that's likely another fused weapon right um so that was shown off as well as the ascendancy because that's in the i think maybe the second trailer where he like comes up through the rock so we knew about that um and then obviously putting all the vehicles together was the most recent trailer um was the thing that was shown so they have actually shown us all these mechanics in these trailers over the years but we never really had the context for what any of them were and how they all tied together and fundamentally what we are being shown here are four abilities much like the four abilities from the first game right because breath of the wild had the bombs obviously that kind of split into two types so technically five abilities but really in practice four um it always that's weird isn't it they split square bombs and round bombs like that but anyway that's what they ended up doing i mean they um, have two very different purposes so I, yeah kind I, of I but they're it. still bombs um yeah still bombs. um but but yeah that you still had fundamentally the four abilities right with magnesis and with cryosis and um and uh, the the stop time one as well um so all of those four abilities were the four that you got at the beginning and then you went out into the world now my question is are these the only four abilities that you get in this Mm. game or are you getting those other abilities back again because seemingly this is all tied to link's arm as opposed to the sheikah slate uh which he doesn't have and presumably maybe zelda has like we've seen her with it Mm. in the one of the trailers so there's an interesting thing there of like there's still as anuma says at the end we still have a lot of secrets and mysteries to tell you about and i don't know is there a world in which as we keep talking about is zelda playable the world in which zelda has those abilities and link has these abilities i don't know that's just kind of idle speculation on my part but um bali do you think these are the only four core abilities we're going to have in this game similar to the first one Mm, that's a really really tough question actually when you break it down um I'm going to say we will get the abilities from the first game because okay. I think if you're making the bold decision of essentially using the same um, world and it's an expanded world, it's not the same world, it's an expanded world, but if you're using the same expanded world and then you're ultimately using the same physics engine and everything, I feel like you could get quite a lot of gameplay out of those existing mechanics if you chose to use them and i think they right. probably decided you know what it is probably right to use them. And i think i think zelda using the sheikah state is a great shout i think that might be what happens you're right yeah i, I my only thing is like you, there there will be so many possibilities right if you think about the puzzle solving potential of the first game like what happens if you combine like freezing time with rewinding like is that possible like what kind of weird chaos stuff happens and i think to, in the first game i think you could only use one ability at a time right, right like if you yeah. swapped to stasis from the bombs for example didn't your bomb literally disappear am i making that up i can't remember yeah no that could be the case that could be the case that those don't interact in that way and you kind of have to do them separately right that's not to say someone will still break the game and manage to do it because that's obviously yeah. what happened in the first game but of i think course. i think that um they'll i think based on the fact that i think was it jeff grab who said like you can pick one of two things and like it's, it's interesting the discussion about what a sequel is and some people saying this just looks like dlc it's like right well, uncharted 2 basically was the same mechanics as the uncharted sure. 1 but they gave yeah. a new story and no one's debating that that's a sequel rather than dlc but mm-hmm. when Z- when the zelda team decide to use the same world and then expand the world and then change the mechanic mechanism like it, it's a sequel to me so i think jeff grubb's point was either they were going to essentially do uncharted 2 where you do an entirely new world you probably keep some of the mechanics the same 
maybe akin to Majora's Mask, although that's not really fair because Majora does mix yeah. up mechanics quite substantially. Totally. But um, they went with the option of actually we're just going to completely upturn the mechanics, keep the world the same, and then obviously expand the world. And I, based on what we've seen so far, it seems like the right call. Yeah, I think like looking at the Sky Islands that we've seen so far, there seems like a significant number and a significant size to them. And just the process of getting up there, because you'll notice from the first ability with re- Recall, um, I don't know why they call it Recall and not Rewind, because when they press the button on the object, it says Rewind, but then they call the ability Recall. But whatever, hmm. I guess because it, it will have some other broader applications. Like I I wonder if it works on enemies, right? Can you rewind enemies backwards? Because um, the, the, the freeze stuff certainly worked on enemies, right? you can freeze enemies um that were riding horses and the horse would like ride away from underneath yes. them and they would start kind of be hanging in midair so i wonder if if that is just kind of covering more basis is with the name there but um you'll notice when that was done on that piece of rock that fell from the sky it basically had a timer and it went all the way up to its apex and then it was like well this is done now it's going to start falling again or you have to jump off and get rid of it so that's not going to get you all the way up to the sky um you're going to have to find other ways of getting to those platforms once you are up there and you know those other abilities potentially ascendancy or ascend um is going to help you with that and there is the possibility right that you're on the ground and you're looking up to the sky can you just zoom all the fucking way up to the sky because there's a big distance right and we saw him jump from there or get knocked off the side and fall all the way to the ground do you mean using um, ascend yeah yeah well, getting it all has the way to be up. through a material they said like, exactly so like here's the idea right is you're standing on the ground on hyrule and there's a sky island above you and if you're exactly below a piece of rock that is uh, up above you but, but that's what i'm saying you're not going through a material that'd be going through air like well no no no. you would you would eventually hit the material right oh. that, that is technically above you like it is it is technically a ceiling it's I, just like thousands of feet i'm above very you. confident that's not how that works but. i i think it's possible just because in that trailer if you remember the first time we saw it link comes up from nowhere up onto that platform right so i think there is a real possibility of being able to do that but, but you you have to be able to look up at the ceiling yes and use it onto the ceiling exactly go, so you can't if this if the sky island is out of range and then mm-hmm. like miles away i don't see it working well i I definitely feel like it's an upgrade possibly right like I, a way in which you can you case, can yeah. like extend it the one um, that we saw i would be surprised if it worked that way but i'm also yeah. what how do you feel about like you know climbing was a key part of the first game and yes. this potentially eliminates a lot of climbing if say you get to a mountain you realize there's a cave in that mountain you're now right. essentially able to go through the entire mountain to the summit yeah does that excite you or does that make you think actually i really enjoyed climbing in breath of the right. wild and i kind of want to keep doing that or, in my opinion i think the game will make sure that there's a variety of mountains where some of them yes yes you can go straight through the middle and others you'll still have the climbing challenge yeah i wonder i wonder if there has to be some kind of limitation on that or but pro- probably not actually because like they don't like limitation i think in in this style of game they want you to have the option i think part of the interesting kind of approach they have here is that some of these abilities are almost workarounds for things that people didn't like in the first game so people who didn't like stamina in terms of climbing you know now you can just zoom up into the middle of a thing and just burst through it right and that's like a potential speed running tactic it's a thing for people who don't want to go through that hard labor of getting up somewhere um but it's kind of like circumventing a thing that people maybe had a bit of an issue with you know in the first game if it's raining for example you can go inside and just poop up there instead of just you know trying to climb and and, and falling down the whole time so it's like a um an additional method to get somewhere um and i think 
I don't know. I, I like climbing a lot. And, you know, I think the nice thing is that it's an option. So you don't have to use it, right? If you want to go and make that climb yourself, you're certainly able to do so. Um, but it just offers the option to other people who are not. I like- would want the option of knowing that by choosing to climb a mountain versus ascending through it that there's some benefit to climbing whether that might be collecting mushrooms along the way or something like i want there to be some benefit to do going the long way around you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah no i totally i totally see that i think that it's similar with the fuse thing where like people like complaining about weapons breaking they're like well if one's about to break you just join it with something else and it becomes a new thing right so Mm. they feel like ways of kind of patching over some some rough points for certain people um while while still introducing new ideas and new abilities and and things that people can do um so so yeah I, i think there's um there's flexibility there and if you want to use it you can and I, I feel like there has to be more to it, right? Like, I feel like there's there's other layers that we're maybe not thinking about with what yeah. you can do with this ability. And I wonder if there is a thing that happens that lets you go down as well as up, right? Because that would make it multifunctional and, like, mm-hmm. allow you to get into spaces that otherwise you might not have been able to, right? Um, hollowed out rocks that are inaccessible and, like, hidden completely unless you dive down into them. Um, that sort of thing, I think, could be quite mm, cool. Mm. And, um, yeah, has has a lot of potential, but we'll we'll see how they expand things. Because there were upgrades you could get for those runes uh, in the first game. Yes. Um, and I think that there's room for expansion here with these things and, and what they could potentially do with them. But, um, yeah, we haven't really uh, touched on Fuse, which I think is probably the most earth-shattering one of, of these, whereby you can basically take two things whatever they are and just meld them together and this seems to act mainly with your weapon and your shield um as well as your bow in a slightly different way um so how how do you feel about this thing but i think this is like the most wild thing that they showed and so wild it just opens the possibility space so ridiculously that you know people are going to do some crazy stuff with this. yeah it's super wild because you saw the the number of items on like so many of these items are from the first game like the 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 uh, enemy parts and the eyes and the wings yeah the the two jelly and it's it's kind of like so now every single item that you can think of from breath of the wild has like another mechanism to it when it's attached to a weapon like that is wild in and of itself like so for example anuma like attached a leaf and he was about to fire this arrow with a leaf. And then he swapped to another item. And now everyone's like, so what does the leaf do? Uh-huh. I want to know. Like, it's really cool. It 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 completely forces you... If you want to benefit from this, you really do have to think outside the box. And like, what is the most efficient way of dealing with these enemies? I think this will be especially the case early in the game where, you know, sources resources are limited. And you felt that in Breath of the Wild as well, where, you know... I, I would love the privilege of, you know, creating a smoke bomb using a mushroom and then instantly um, insta-death someone from behind. Like, that's a great use of materials early in the game when your materials are limited, you know? So I think early in the game especially, that's a really cool idea. Um, and you think of, like, what's the special island in the southwest of Breath of the Wild? Oh, Southeast, yeah. sorry. Yeah, um, Eventide Island, right? Yeah. Like, that, it's almost playing on... The, the, like imagine these mechanics in a ventide island oh like, boy it's wild to think about it's i'm excited when the game forces you to do something innovative to get out of a sticky situation yes it's cool where 
hey, yeah, my shot's not that great today, like Anuma was saying. He said his like, sight's going, or his reactions are going, or something. He's like, I'm just going to stick this eyeball to the front of my arrow, and it's going to home in. That is cool. I get that. But I want the, there to be a puzzle or a dead end that forces me to think outside the box and gives me multiple options of doing that. You know, like, We don't know much about shrines yet. I really hope there are shrines that leave you four, five, six items just on a a, a bench in front of you and says, right, you have to get out of this dungeon or something. And it's like, okay, right, well, I'm going to try this. And and it's just that experimentation of, yes, I'm going to take this item, fire, okay, this does that, that gives me a boost, and oh my god, I've used these five items together in unique ways to get out of that dungeon. And then I want the ability to say to you, MBZ, I did this, this, and this to get out of that dungeon, and you come back with me and say, oh, well, I did this opposite thing, right. and still go out of the dungeon. Like That's what I'm waiting for, because at the moment, in the open world space, as cool as it is, I want there to be a bit more funneling of ideas and funneling of forcing the player into doing something specific. Right, and, and you kind of want these to apply to getting around the place as well and trying to have that impact. And, and I wonder if, obviously, we have the whole vehicle building thing, which, which oh, is God, very, very much that. focused on that. But um, yeah, I... Um, I, I do I think that it's cool that you're taking these items that in the base game or in the first game I should say um, were basically just crafting tools. I love for that potions. you said base game. <laughs> yeah, God, it really oh man, it's it, it's so similar though, isn't it? Like yes. in, in visual style and like world and everything that it's hard to not think of it as kind of like a kind of building on top of the blocks of what already existed. Um, but um, those those items were very much like well you, I'm just going to toss these in a pot and see if I can make a potion right. And there was kind of a random cooking element to it which i'm sure still exists in this game but but now those resources mean something different and like it actually matters what you pick up from enemies and like every single one is going to have some kind of different effect depending on what you equip it with and i think that just makes the for me the thing that i was worried about is like losing that kind of joy of experimentation like i always talk about i hit the um I hit the the chew jelly with a fire sword and it became fire chew jelly, right? Like that's one of my favorite moments in Breath of the Wild. And it feels like they heard me and were like, hey, how about we do that 700 more times mm. in this game? Yeah. And that that's what it's going to be is it's going to be a... Oh, like there's a, now going to be an excitement to finding a fucking key swing. Like, who gives a shit about key swing in any other Zelda yeah. game? It's like whatever. Then I'm like, oh, what the hell is this going to do if I put an arrow with a key swing? Is it going to like become an autonomous arrow that is like a follower that follows me around and attacks with me or some shit? Like, who knows? Like, it feels like there's a, there's a magical possibility here with all those kind of materials and um, and not only that, it's just like stuff that you find in the world. Like he showed the long stick with the big farmer's pike and now it's just right. like the biggest stick in the world and it's like that is so dumb but like perfect right because there is a legitimate way in which that helps the player like maintain distance between enemies yeah. and you know um like actually has a, an applicable use within the world yeah. as dumb as it looks like uh, are you happy with just those things existing in the open world or do you hope that like i was saying the game forces you into certain areas of, like a shrine mm. or the equivalent whatever it's that's going to be that forces you to be like oh here's this gap yeah. and this spear that attaches to this stick that you can only poke the switch on the other side of the gap by melding the two you know like right 
that's yeah. what I, I need that kind of thing I, I think that would be cool i do think that they're going to take a more hands-off approach to it as opposed to what you're talking about which is like go into a space and they give you stuff because obviously the first game in this game also rely upon you're just collecting everything around the world and so whatever you have going into mm. whatever situation is what you're going to have and that leads to the situations you're talking about of yeah. like both of us having different things going in and so different solutions coming out i would say though that there are a handful of shrines especially in the dlc i wanted to say actually the, of the first game uh where especially around the electricity mechanic where it really did feel open-ended where mm. there were so many different ways of attaching metal items together and it also depended massively on how many metal items you've got in your in your rucksack ready to like stretch across the shrine connecting circuits and unlocking doors and like like that kind of creativity like i for me breath of the wild is obviously my favorite game of all time those were the highlights of that physics chemistry system Mm -hmm. and i really hope that there are at least a handful of areas of the game where it really forces you into that kind of lateral thinking to progress the shrine or whatever it may be yeah totally um i i I definitely want to see more puzzles right like i mean that's what i want from this game is like they've given you creative stuff so now give me puzzles to solve with that stuff and yeah we haven't seen any shrines or anything or anything that looks like shrines but i don't know what their approach is going to be for that i'm sure there will be something they just haven't told us yet so we'll have to wait and I, find I agree. out but um but in terms of traversal though i mean this whole vehicle building oh stuff is um it's nuts dude and i think that nintendo have this real knack for simplifying things that other games have done for years that are much harder right like think about us playing grounded right and you having a faff of a time trying to build things and (laughs) put walls up and just understanding how to do it and then nintendo come in here and they're like oh no building is easy you just do this and you yoink it over here and you just it automatically attaches with this glue and then you're done boom you made a raft the fans are on it you hit them and off you go and like looking at mario maker and the way in which that kind of took design tools and simplified them down and made it such an approachable easy kit for people to engage with this feels like that for like crafting and building stuff um in a way that's just i don't know i think there's there's definitely drawbacks to it right where you kind of have to be in an area at least seemingly from this you have to be in an area with all the stuff you need to move around like you can imagine being like oh this thing's you know a mile away and i have to spend five minutes walking across the world having my hand hold it in order to move it across there you know if there's some kind of like pokeball style thing where you can tap materials into it and carry them with you mm. i mean that would be great because then you can just pop them all out wherever you are and you know attach and glue things together so, but I, this was covered in i think it was Zeltic's video on on youtube he's like a big Zelda youtuber mm-hmm. um, and he was making the point like there are these areas next to the stables that look like they're just planks of wood and right beams and things that are clearly placed together to build vehicles like they're specifically placed there so i i agree with what you're saying like oh i'm gonna have to log x mm-hmm. to across the map to y but hopefully there's enough like here we're just laying all these items out for you to build whatever you want and just kind of yeah work maybe it's it like and... a crafting hub thing where you can yeah. kind of call all of the resources you've gathered to that one spot and use it as a place to kind of build something and then maybe similar to horses it's like once you've built a vehicle you can register the vehicle and then you can use it wherever you want right i'd be really surprised if that was the case but maybe yeah right i i really want to know why do i want to get a car across hyrule field versus ride a horse like Mm -hmm. i want to know does it even matter or is there going to be a reason that you need the car not the horse obviously for flight it makes sense you can't fly in the horse on the horse obviously yeah. i get that and i get it for like 
the raft across this this expanse of water i get that and i thought that example was a really good one to show off in the the gameplay but especially for land traversal why do i want to go in a car across Hyrule Field or like a thing on four wheels. Yeah, and I think that's that comes down to it like a storage thing as well or like carrying things. Like remember in the original game where people would try and move stuff across the map by like sl- slowly shuffling things and like carrying them manually. Like what if there was an orb that is required on the opposite side of the map you can't carry that on a horse right and you can't put it in your inventory but if you make a kind of vehicle where you can leave things uh sitting or make a holder for them where you can kind of pop it on the ground and still move the vehicle like it allows you to transfer stuff so like potentially transferring objects across space is the best example i can think of for doing that um because then obviously you can't do that on a horse right um, or even on the motorcycle that you get in the first game so mm, um mm. yeah that's a potential way of doing it but yeah I, I get what you mean like i it feels like it's more for personal just like i want to ride a vehicle and look cool as opposed to um kind of functionality necessarily yeah, so yeah um we'll see but um yeah i i think that my the thing that makes me most excited is honestly just being on twitter when this game comes out right because you are going to see some wild creations that people have made nintendo have already shown like full aircraft stuff right full flight abilities oh all like um, the, the hot air balloon stuff is wild like yeah. just what's the maximum height of this world you know like how high can yeah. i go because the skydiving stuff looks very cool like the the amount of 3d vertical space is very impressive and mm-hmm. Okay, here's a theoretical question I had, and I really hope it's not the case. Okay. Was there any point in the development of this game where the people working on it were thinking, we'd love for X to happen, and we've tested it, and it works, but the Switch isn't powerful enough to pull it off? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's how Nintendo works necessarily, right? Like, um, I, I feel like they will make something happen no matter what, uh just making sure that they have the limitations to do it and obviously they have um you know they work with the hardware so it makes it a lot like easier, how but... in that case then how far from that original idea in theory mm. did they have to move away from to make it work you know what I'm, yeah like, uh, yeah yeah i don't i don't know that much honestly because like what they've shown here is like it seems pretty unbelievable <laughs> and also just like he fell off that thing and flew through the sky and landed seamlessly no loading screen it that, was all that's running kind of what made 30. me think it was like oh my god i can't believe this is working and i even know at 30 frames per second this is going to be incredible if it all yeah plays out exactly and like i i mean i believe that's the game right the game's about to come out like he was just playing gameplay from it it's not like they built a whole vertical slice just for this one presentation they don't they're not exactly the kind of company that will play a thing through a pc in order no. to then show better footage you know? yeah, exactly be playing it on the switch obviously yeah so. it's it's yeah. on hardware it's basically gold candidate anuma at the start of this thing was like and development has finished so like yeah. this is the game it's done um so i mean you know they've had a lot of time to optimize i mean the original game was built for wii u originally and then they used the switch to kind of um bring it up to uh you know a bit more powerful standard so they they are fundamentally building on the bones of a wii u game so there's there's probably a bit more wiggle room there but um it's still still one of the most impressive games on the system even to this day having come out straight away so um yeah I, i think that all that experience building on top of it feels like they're not kind of expanding things in a way like it's all physics stuff it feels like is what they're doing as opposed to anything that pushes technology further right um, right in that right. sense so yeah um i think that all of it looks great 
um, and it's exciting. I think the the marketing has still been weird for me. It's still like, what is going on? But I feel like I better understand the game now. And I feel like going into it, there is a lot more potential for surprise here um, mm. than with the first game, just because we know much less, I want to say. Yeah, so. and I mean, these Sky Islands kind of feel like shrines where they have like a bit of a linear kind of you need to do x to get through this thing like the raft you need to build this raft to get from a to b like and there will be some reward at the end of the sky island you would imagine and surely there's only one clear entry to the sky island if that if it is linear but that mm-hmm. doesn't i don't know it says it, you you very quickly run into hurdles where you're like but what if you just entered the Sky Island another way? And how do they build the Sky Island in a way that... What if you started on the with that pane of uh, panel of water on the other side than where they were... I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm making things up. But I'm, I'm making mm-hmm. the point like we still know so little about the structure. Whereas Breath of the Wild was, I am looking for shrines. I need shrines to get more powerful. And then once I get more powerful, I move to the next area. And I look for shrines and I get more powerful. Like we don't know the gaming loop of this game still and yeah, i think we we don't know the narrative either that's the, the, the narr- not fundamental that there was much issue, so. in the first game but yeah. yeah but like the framing what's it going to be what is it, what's the yeah. goal who are we killing probably ganondorf uh you know yeah. uh, and he's probably underground or in the sky or whatever she's probably in the floating hyrule castle right that would make right. sense and, um, and so. so this was a fear i had after mario galaxy 2 was i was like where do you go with 3d platforming now like right. what do you Nintendo... went to space like how do right. you go further and then than that? obviously 3d world came out and that was a very safe kind of boring not boring in comparison to galaxy yeah. 2 in terms of like innovation but then odyssey came out and it was like oh like this is this is the this is an alternate route for the 3d platformer in 2017 when it came out obviously and i kind of had that feeling after breath of the wild i was like where do you go from here what, yeah like this do? game is reinventing open world games what do you do next and i do think what we've seen in this 10 minutes gives me enough confidence to say okay right this is what you do in 2023 with a brand new style of open world game and like you i can guarantee you in seven eight years time we're gonna see vehicles and physics and a lot more like quirky shit like that in so many open world games in the same way that elden ring is so inspired by so much of breath of the wild you know like Mm -hmm. i think there's it's clear from that 10 minutes of gameplay we have a rough idea of partially what the next lineage of open world looks like yeah i think systemic stuff right like that's the thing that elden ring doesn't actually lean into at all and elden ring is much more focused on exploration and kind of like combat um combat obviously but like the one thing for me that mm, doesn't make it as great as breath of the wild is it's not systemic in the same way like breath of the wild is built on fundamental interactions between weather systems and uh chemicals and, and physical systems right and there's there's small tiny amounts of that in elden ring i think i'd send you an image of like oh in elden ring if you are using a fire spell in the rain it will do slightly less damage like yeah it, they, they have some minor considerations stuff, there very yeah. very minor but like it's not the same systemic kind of approach the kind of like um you know uh immersive sim style approach that uh zelda is taking yeah. essentially so no, it's really it's actually really interesting because Elden Ring, Elden Ring, in my opinion, is all about your character getting more powerful, and the amount of power you have is directly correlating to defeating t- tougher, stronger, mm-hmm. more numerous enemies. Breath of the Wild is all about two things: increasing your stamina wheel and increasing your hearts. Obviously, hearts relate to both 
exploration and combat mm-hmm. but that stamina wheel is all about exploration absolutely much. so like yeah. i think that those are the, the biggest differences between breath of the wild and Elden ring is like exploration versus getting more powerful and mm. certainly seems like tears of the kingdom is leaning into the exploration above combat for sure which is exciting yeah, yeah definitely um awesome well um there are thoughts late of course but hey uh, nintendo decided to you know drop it while i was in disneyland very <laughs> rude of them um but you know i understand they were so good with the previous direct that we owed them one yeah yeah totally um so there you go uh that is uh, our thoughts on the tears of kingdom gameplay and uh, very short order we will i'm sure be talking about the full game itself but Bally, we have a very important matter to discuss. Um, it's serious. Uh, it's it's tragic. I couldn't but, believe um, your tweet when I read it. That was the first thing I read about this game. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I was um, very I re- confused. I regret to inform you and all of our audience that Sonic the Hedgehog is dead. He was murdered. Uh, the blood is on the floor. It's cold. Uh, and you know someone has to pay for this someone has to pay um so on april fool's day uh sega and, and sonic i think actually beforehand they were kind of teasing the like there's some bold new direction for sonic uh and then they dropped this trailer on april fool's day and i'm like oh this is cool they're making like a fun little joke and um they're like sonic is dead i'm like great this is you know this is the kind of thing that the sega social media team would do a very opposite one, to what sega. nintendo uh yeah the very opposite of what nintendo would ever do like can you imagine mario is dead never never in a million years would nintendo do that however uh sega let them do it because sega are wild and they'll do whatever i'm watching this trailer and i'm like oh that's cool they made like kind of like a a fake visual novel trailer and like stuff's going on and all this stuff and i get to the end of the trailer and it's like download now on steam i'm like excuse me wait what um and it turns out that they they actually made a full video game they made a full-blown visual novel um in the style of like a phoenix wright ace attorney uh of uh sonic and his friends on a it's you know it's like murder on the orient express they're mm. on a train if sega um, got visual novel experience what are, are there any i other don't games think so on? no i mean this is definitely in the style of a of something that um you know capcom would do or something that's spike chun i was just gonna say phoenix right is obviously capcom right so it's, uh yeah exactly it's very different yeah, yeah interesting but- but the you know obviously a lot of the uh, influences is coming from there and here's the wildest thing about it because i was reading about this afterwards um i don't know if you uh were listening to the kate and krista show when katie from sega was on there but she mm, she's yes. the one who runs the sonic the hedgehog account um and obviously runs a lot of social stuff over there um this game was made by the social team at sega it was not made by a development studio. It was made by them, and they they got some friends in and involved for like writing and programming, all that sort of stuff. Are they U.S. or Japan based? U.S. based, yeah, wow. yeah, it's U.S. based. This is the thing I'm saying: like Nintendo would never in a million years do this. In a way, make a game. Yeah, <laughs> <Never>. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like they pitched it to Sega, and Sega were like, "Yeah, go ahead with it. See if you can do it." Um, and uh, and she basically has a whole Twitter thread. I recommend reading through it of like how they made this game and like the planning behind it and all that sort of stuff. But it was it was a social team that made this game which is wild and i think it's really fascinating because what i'm going to say bali the the murder of sonic the hedgehog is one of my favorite things i've played this year i think it is fantastic i think it is so fun and i think it understands why people love sonic the hedgehog and i think the real irony here is that the two best sonic games that i've played in recent years are both essentially made by fans right when you look at the sega social team yes. it's people who have you know joined that company because they are fans of sonic the hedgehog and they want to work on it and they're very invested in the universe and everything and then obviously you have the developers at sega in japan who are making all the new sonic games and you know how that goes right like <laughs> those games have never been well received i think sonic frontiers has done better than a lot of recent ones yeah but... it definitely had 
some great reviews yes but um but i think that like sonic mania obviously a game made basically by working with fans right a lot of it was it was the development done by a fan kind of development team and this is somewhat similar in that way and i think it shows a lot about like the fans kind of know what people want from Sonic the Hedgehog, and I don't think Sega really does. Or maybe they do, because they greenlit this, but, you know, in, in all essence, this is still an April Fool's joke, and um, I haven't seen a lot of people saying, like, it kind of sucks that visual novels get the short end of the stick when it comes to stuff like April Fool's Day, because a lot of companies will be like, hey, lol, we made a visual novel, this is our April Fool's joke, and it's just, like, a screenshot of, like, what a potential visual novel would look like for, I don't know, Overwatch or something. Overwatch actually did that for Valentine's Day. They made a whole visual novel thing for right. Valentine's Day, but... um. Sorry. But yeah, it, it feels like um, it, it's weird because then these things go on and become extremely popular because, hey, guess what? There's a legitimate audience for visual novels and they are uh, people want them and they are thirsting for them. They're very hungry for um, this kind of stuff, including their favorite properties. And this game has now been downloaded over a million times. So it's, it's free on Steam, right? So you're not paying for it. It's free and you can just download it. It's been downloaded over a million times and is now the 61st most highly reviewed game in Steam history um and that's in like a couple of days and i think it speaks to the way that this thing really treats the franchise and it treats the characters and has fun with it and is charming and is inoffensive in a lot of ways i don't think this thing is like doing anything crazy or wild but i think for a lot of people for sonic fans and sega fans included it just feels like it's respecting the universe and the material and all that stuff really well while wrapping it up in something that is is cute and colorful and just interesting um so basically the premise is that it's amy rose's birthday and they're all on a train and um it's a murder mystery party right um and you know the idea is that you are this you're this kind of like you can name your own character but you're a brand new kind of sonic character essentially um and you are someone who you're basically the the quote-unquote chef but uh, by being the chef of the train what that means is you basically just microwave food because the only thing in the kitchen is a microwave so <laughs> whenever someone wants something you just have to microwave it so it's a funny premise to begin with um and basically what happens is that uh you know the, the train starts going the murder mystery starts but oh something weird has happened and then you get stuck in this room and um you know you have, have a first kind of mystery that you solve and it is very light touch in that you have an inventory and you can choose items from that and you can say i want to show this evidence right at this certain point but it's very linear so you know exactly you know when you need to show something and always what you need to show and then it goes into this sequence when it's like basically the very beginning tails tails is the detective right so everyone gets given a role on the train like a kind of role that they're playing and tails is the detective and you're basically his sidekick so it's also kind of funny right because tails has always been the sidekick but now he's the main detective and you're his sidekick so there's a little bit of irony there um and uh, so, and, and tails is like well you know whenever i don't know what to do i think what would sonic do and uh and then you're like what would sonic do and then it pops up this little mini game gear and it's called a dream gear it's basically just a riff on the game gear and it just pops up this game gear and all of a sudden you're playing this little isometric isometric sonic thing where he's just running forward and there are some spikes and stuff and it's like kind of an angle and you're just dodging left and right collecting rings and that's like the mini game of this essentially so whenever you get into a situation where it's like think uh you basically have to uh play this little sonic mini game where you collect a bunch of rings jump over some spikes and stuff and actually it's kind of tricky uh towards the end actually i was like uh, having to do them a couple of times because i was like oh fell down the like, hole from an action perspective 
Uh, from an action perspective, yeah. yeah. So you're just going left and right, jumping, basically, and avoiding obstacles and collecting rings at the same time. And you have to collect a certain number of rings in order to pass the check, essentially, um, and get to the next bit of story. So um, you can actually turn that stuff off as well. It's got great accessibility settings of like, hey, just turn off falling in pits or turn off like taking damage, that sort of stuff. So if you are someone who just wants to play the visual novel, then you can certainly do that. Um, but I thought it was a fun little addition. Um, and I think, you know, if they were to build this out a bit more, I think they would put more time and care into like the actual mystery solving element of it because really it is just like hey this is you know what to do is kind of straightforward and there's not a lot of thinking required and the, the moments when you have to quote unquote think you're playing a mini game instead of like solving the solution right or like figuring out what evidence contradicts with which and which to kind of place that sort of stuff so um i think that it just has a lot of charm to it and humor and the art is fantastic and the the music is also amazing like the soundtrack i'm like bopping along to straight away and um is really really good stuff so i think it just from a presentation standpoint as a quote-unquote april fool's day joke of a video game just stands head and shoulders above anything i've ever seen before um and like is to you clearly can see that the people who made this cared about it a lot and like wanted to deliver something to a quality level to a polish level that frankly most sonic games don't really (laughs) have Mm. uh or see um and and i think that you know it's only a couple of hours long but within that kind of short span it tells a uh kind of like mini story arc and you know you kind of get you get a lot of references as well i actually was looking up online of like what does this refer to and it's like oh in 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 sonic unleashed on the xbox here is uh what happened in this there's this one place called spatagonia or whatever and like that is, gets referenced in this game uh which i think is fun um and there are some characters in there i think i knew i knew most of them but there was vector who's the crocodile guy and espio mm-hmm. who i think is actually not sure what SBO is. He's like a weird chameleon? bird. Chame- chame- I guess he's a chameleon, yeah. I think they originate from the Sonic at the Olympic Games, the Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, maybe? Um, they were in Sonic Heroes. I don't know if that... Oh, I were think, they in Sonic Heroes? I want to okay. say Olympic Games was after that, but I could be It wrong. was, I believe. It was, okay. Yeah, because I think the first Olympic Games was a Wii game, right? Or was it a GameCube one? It was either Wii or GameCube. Can't remember which. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Wii. But I'm pretty sure they're... I was looking on Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure they're associated with... Uh, with those games in, in some aspect, i think it was anyway. beijing in 2008 ah okay right so yeah probably they are they're in those games as well but i don't know if they originate from somewhere else but um those were the two ones i was less familiar with blaze the cats in here from sonic rush um as well as obviously rouge and, and shadow and and tails and knuckles and and everybody who you know all the, the classics amy rose of course uh, and amy it's amy rose's birthday so basically you're kind of like following behind her you and tails are like almost half step behind because um the train conductor at the beginning gives her a key it's like here's the birthday girl key so you can unlock every door um and so she kind of gets ahead of you and starts uh, investigating stuff before you do how and, um, how dark does it get uh not not dark it's very it's very kind of like um light-hearted in a lot of ways okay. like i think that at the beginning it's like oh sonic Sonic i think he actually got hurt like it's it looks like it's not actually acting like he's basically lying on the ground unconscious and you're like what what happened here and they're like anyway he should be fine moving on um and then you know stuff gets revealed later on and stuff like that it does it does not lean into that stuff at all and i think that it is it just like uses it for humor and it is very light-hearted and um yeah you could you can play this as a five-year-old and be totally cool right like i, I don't right, think there's okay. anything uh harmful about it at all do you think um, they'll get the green light to do some more 
I really hope so. I mean, I think this is such a great idea, and I think the reception it has got, like, clearly Sega should be paying attention to this reception, because a lot of people are in love with this thing, and for good reason, because it's it's made to such a high level of quality, and I think that, yeah, as a piece of, like, official material, it respects Sonic and everything about it, um, like, really, really well, so... I hope that it does get a bit more um, attention from them and then hopefully leads to something that is a bit more full length and, and then they can put it out and actually, you know, charge money for it and, and make it a full playable uh, visual novel. And, and I think that would be an amazing thing for them to do um, and kind of like jump off of the success of this thing to to make a whole kind of branch of, uh, of more Sonic games that a wider audience can get into or a different audience, I should say. Because, you know, I like Sonic and I grew up playing Sonic, but I'm not the sort of person who's out there playing sonic frontiers day one right i might check it out at some point when it's like five quid in like four years time but um you know that's that's not me but you know playing this i'm like hey sonic's kind of cool actually you know there there are some good sonic games out there i played sonic advance 2 last year that was a nice kind of going back into the nostalgia and i'm like i i need to go back and play sonic rush 2 because i only ever played the first sonic rush and seeing blaze the cat in this game i'm like yeah blaze she's cool i remember playing her in sonic rush so how about i play the sequel to that so i might load that up on my steam deck now so this is actually as a marketing tool i think it's done its job because it's got Mm. people interested in sonic again uh in a way that i don't know that a wider audience has been in a while um i think it's just good people are overall right so um yeah i think they can do a lot with with this thing and i think the other thing they can do is just put it on consoles right i can imagine yeah. nintendo announcing this in in a in a presentation at some point being like hey the murder of sonic the hedgehog is now on switch um i don't and know nintendo free. yeah it's free it's free um did nintendo allow things with murder in the title on their eShop? i'm not sure but um, <laughs> but steam certainly does so uh we'll we'll see it's 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 all uh you know tongue-in-cheek so um I, uh, I I hope that it does come to console. Obviously, it's not uh, at the moment, so uh, you're going to have to get on a computer. But um, it's a visual novel, right? It's very light. You could probably run it on your Mac, Mally, right? Like it's it, it, okay. if you have a laptop that is not great, you can probably still run this thing. I would say so. If you do want to check it out, it, it feels like it's quite accessible, um, and I think that it's a, it's a thing that definitely is worth playing. So um, nice. go out there and go solve the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. It's a good time. Cool. Well, you said Sonic was kind of a bit more lighthearted. Well, let me tell you about a really dark game. All right. <laughs> because I'm still chipping away at Octopath Traveler 2. How many um, hours in are you, Bally, at this point? I am 45 and a half hours in. Hot damn. Um, and according to my Switch playtime, I'm still behind Octopath Traveler 1. So I, I Wow. I, apparently this game is longer than 1, so I still have a way to go. I think how long to beat has it, like... 70 or 80 hours really for main story i think main story is like 65 okay okay and then main plus extra is 80 or 70 and then completionist is like 90 so i'm probably gonna end up close to the 70 mark i can't really tell to be honest um but yeah i'm 45 and a half hours in and the cool thing about this game is that one of my issues, I'll be honest, I did have some issues with the first game, and I, I like to think I was honest about these, MZ, mm-hmm. but one of them was that because it was four chapters, there were points where the story became ridiculously predictable for certain arcs. Where yeah, totally. Where you're like, right, well, there's only one more chapter because every single character has four chapters, and that means that the thing has to wrap up before this chapter, and that means that... that that person is dead now and it's like okay well that happened and that Mm -hmm. you know it's like very beat by beat it's like okay right i get it um automatic traveler 2 fixes that because they 
character the standard story length for a character is five chapters not four and that's not including a handful of characters that have split paths and so for example throne has a split path um there's a character called mother and a character called father in throne's arc and uh she has does something involving each of them in two different paths those paths get resolved and then there are two more chapters beyond those paths ending so like it just gives the characters and the stories a little more intrigue where yes something you might predict does get resolved but then there's something darker and greater happening beyond that and you think what and there's, there's intrigue that it gives you a much more motivation to play where there was definitely yes i beat all eight character paths in the first game but half of those paths i was i knew what was going to happen in the final chapter and i also mm-hmm. knew i also felt a little demotivated to do eight final chapters in that sense where i was like right well i kind of know what's going to happen and then beat by beat da, da, da. whereas i'm kind of getting to the point where i'm reaching meeting the resolution of the first kind of obvious thing that happens in a lot of these plot threads but then there's the bigger greater thing that's like lingering or dangling a carrot and it's making me like oh what 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 happens there and it's really good i, w- I will say three of the plot lines that i'm reached i've reached so so far um throne oswald and uh casti are really dark storytelling like Mm. really messed up um and minor spoilers for like the opening of oswald's chapter i just want to talk about the opening of sure yeah which you could have played in the demo you could have played in the demo and you've played this but basically Mm. his um his home burns down by and it's burnt down by like his um kind of like rival right rival is co-working like um scholar so in in this world scholars are like magic users Mm -hmm. um and yeah he burned his home down and killed his wife and daughter yeah and 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 then falsely accused accused oswald of um starting the fire and he went to like this prison on this island and he's on a mission to like get revenge against this guy harvey um yeah I'll just say that Oswald's story gets even darker than that opening. It's okay. really messed up. It's like, wow. Like, you know, some really, like, impactful cutscenes that I experienced. So I was I was left, like, pretty shocked by what was happening. Um, mm. Likewise, Cassidy's story, I was really like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I, is that what's really happening? And that's not to say there are still some weak, weaker stories that are very predictable and very positive in in, like contrast to these three darker ones i've mentioned Mm -hmm. and they're they're really nice to play it's not just all doom and gloom um but judging from reviews people have said like these stories do come together in a satisfying way and i'm not seeing clearly how that's happening yet but i'm getting the feeling like it it will happen and i'm very very excited about that i'm still more engaged with these characters than i was with the first game the battle system's almost identical there's very minor changes but i am still absolutely loving it the, yes you uh, you ultimately do the same thing each battle it is about breaking your foe and powering up a, a character as powerful as possible and then doing a hefty ton of damage but i think this game is very strong in really changing the ways that you get to that point it really mm. forces you to think outside the box like crap this guy's needs revived this other guy's like running out of sp how do i get my party into a position where i'm strong enough to now like break this enemy and and then you know win the match and like Mm. so many bosses have other enemies like 
that you basically have to defeat the minions in order to even do damage to the big boss or the big boss might get into a frenzy and starts attacking like mad and you're just trying to survive through these periods but then if you manage to survive that period it then goes for like quarter of the match without even attacking you and you then have an opportunity to rack up damage and eventually kill them so like the bosses i do think are actually kind of stronger than the first game and a little bit more varied and i would say very tough i'm always meeting that that challenge where it will always suggest what level you should be to face a boss so say i i think the last chapter i did what is it recommended like level 36 so i had one character that was like level 32 i had two characters that were like level 40 41 and i had one mm. character that was like 30 i don't know four and i still struggled like even with that balance of some characters above the level and the sub some below it's still it's still tough so it's a tough game i i'm still really enjoying it and it's it's a real step up on the first game honestly and that's predominantly yeah. in my opinion due to just structure and narrative it's still very beat by beat a lot of it but less so than the first game now hearing that worries me a little bit saying like there's an eight level gap at least between some of your characters how how has that been in terms of grinding are you doing a lot in between these chapters you find yourself going off the beaten path to find classes and do like hidden dungeons and stuff like that to kind of get yourself to level i'm not looking for hidden dungeons that are kind of like no, not dungeons they're kind of like crypts i guess i don't know what okay. you can call it like caves where you will discover an ability mm. and you just go to that cave and if you have the right character in your party you will get to the ability and those are worth getting um they don't take a ton of exploration to find i had to look up maybe a couple am i grinding i am leaning more towards doing a little bit of grinding here and there um it's like i said before you can enemies are tougher at night and you can change between day and night so you can go to a route that is tough and then turn it to night and the enemies are even tougher mm. and as long as you're surviving and defeating them you will gain a lot of xp very quickly like i said also before you can speed up battles a bit right if you do if you just mainline the game and you have say you've got your say you've got a party of three and you have one spot that rotates for like story reasons I feel like in the first game I was getting through battles like keeping that fourth character alive a bit a bit better than this game. I feel like if you want to get through with a much weaker party member, I do think it is tougher in this game potentially. And that does mean that you will have to mix up your party more. And by mixing up your party more, it means that the highest level of some of your party is lower than it would otherwise be. Like I think it's better having your lowest level higher than having your highest level even higher if that makes sense like right, rather than yes. be like oh, i've got this really powerful uh, so i've got like temenos he's like my cleric slash scholar mm -hmm. he like does the whole the whole shebang he's a high level and that helps but it's more helpful to the party that your weakest member is a, is like close enough to the the recommended right level. because more likely the lowest level character will get knocked out quickly and then you'll just yeah. spend a lot of turns reviving them exactly. constantly exactly so. and i do think the enemies are quite smart at picking on the weakest mm. um character okay. <laughs> okay. they will they and they will hammer them into the ground and yeah you do not want to be fighting these bosses with three characters you definitely want all four working in synergy and yeah um it's tough it, it is a tough game you probably can do it with no grinding i just 
I would probably encourage exploring a bit, but at the same time, I don't think the side quests are interesting. Like I said last time, I just don't think they're great. I, I'd rather just sit listening to a podcast, walking back and forth a bit, just fighting a few tough enemies and getting right. level up. I'd, I'd rather do that than do the side quests, honestly, and then go to the next yeah. chapter. Yeah, which to me says like not much has changed in terms of my annoyances <laughs> the first game, which is a, a little frustrating. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to try and paint it differently for sure because yeah if you want to have a good shot at every single boss and not be under leveled i think you do need to play it right and yeah. um because ultimately what happens is there's some once you've just once you've gone to a town you can just warp back to that town so then if the next chapter is in the town you've already been to you can just warp to it and go straight into it but the level gap between the chapter you've just done and the chapter you're about to do might be three levels. Mm. And you're like, right, so where am I going to get these three levels from? You've right. got to, you could manually just walk to that next town and you will probably level up three levels and that's a decent way. But if you're going to warp there, you do like the levels do progress and I don't think the amount of XP you get from defeating a big boss will level you up three levels in time for the the next boss plus you're gonna to have to rotate one member of your party likely because um you constantly need the rele- relevant character for each relevant chapter so i think that mm-hmm. yeah if that was your biggest issue with the first game i don't think it's changed a lot in that sense to be honest and um these kind of like side like additional quests with multiple characters tell me a bit more about those because that feels like something that they changed for this game and yeah. something that potentially could have alleviated issues with lack of party dynamics and that sort of stuff so, so yeah. how have those been going yeah i was telling you about these off mic they're very disappointing in the end because there seems to only be four and that's four to cover the basis of all eight characters because each one has to uses two characters and I need to look it up. Maybe there's more than four, but I, from what they are so far, they have been really good. They are really flavorful in terms of like character relationships. And you still have like these random character interactions where it'll say like, this gives you like a prompt mid chapter and the characters will have like a little chat. And those discussions are good. Like they're, they're worth it, but they're not, then they're far from like your party feeling like a cohesive group, to be honest. And at the same time, I don't know how they would do that better. I mean, I know how they do that better, to be honest. They'd have more joint character chapters that would link thoroughly to the story. Uh, but then the game would also be an extra 30 hours long. So maybe they didn't want it to go that wild. And I really do appreciate what they've done with the, the standard chapter structure where they have branching paths. And um, whenever I say branching paths, by the way, you do both branches. You don't pick a branch um, and then the resolutions i think are just so much stronger that i think having to do all those extra chapters would make the game even longer and if they're so if they're so determined to stick with having eight characters it's just it's not really possible but um i would have liked to have seen something better in that in that area yeah um i i think that that's something that you know honestly i don't think it was like the worst thing about the first game for me the problems with the first game were far more tied to just wasting my time as opposed to anything else and and so like i i think that it's nice that they've kind of added it as kind of a make good yeah and hopefully from what you're saying like the ends of these stories seem to be maybe coalescing a bit more or at least having some more open-endedness to them so that they could coalesce into something more final that then ties everything together a bit more cleanly so it feels like even in the main story they're kind of moving 
moving a bit more towards that even if they don't have as many side chapters to kind yeah, of help no, kind totally, of totally. There. and there there's a handful of jobs that i've not got yet that um i hear are incredibly good and incredibly powerful and um very minor spoilers so just a warning for 30 seconds but you do get a boat in this game and mm-hmm. you can use that boat to explore um i did some vague exploring with the boat and i was under leveled for it so it's clearly like a late game thing to do and right. i think that that exploration links to a lot of end game stuff and this sort of thing so i've got all that to look forward to as well yeah i can't remember if the first game had fast travel does this one have it can you get around the world easily or is it much more about just running place to place yep you you can just warp to any town you've been to before great and i think the first game had that too yeah but like i was saying in some ways that's a a curse not a blessing because you, you the next town you go to might be three levels higher than the last story chapter and then you're left like right well how do i do this and interestingly i listened to i can't remember the podcast this was on but my understanding is that the developers created a world wrote stories for locations and then built an overarching story around that and maybe that's why some of these stories feel a little more grounded is that like the story was written for the town before they even attributed it to the wider story or a character which mm. i don't know i don't know enough about story writing and whether that's a good idea or not but yeah. i'm enjoying the story a lot that's good um yeah i am um, i still i still am at an arm's length with this and like some things you said today have made me believe like oh i should play it and then other things have been like i don't want to play it i think if you did play this you'd agree with me on some things that yes they are improvements on the first game but mm-hmm. you'd also agree with me that like in other aspects the game is not changed from the first game so i think yeah. you'd i think you'd have a mixed time with this game but hopefully the good with that would outweigh the bad i don't know yeah it's there's so many like long games that i'm interested in playing because yakuza and sorry like a dragon and (laughs) this came out in the same month like very close to each other and i've not got to either of them and some of that is just like travel timing and some of that is me trying to be a bit better about not just jumping on stuff straight away day one um and uh yeah but um it's it's good i'm I'm glad you're really enjoying it because it feels like it was this is a game made for fans of the first game and uh it seems like it's delivering on that quite strongly totally totally so yeah it's it's good it's it's long i will give it credit that it's incredibly easy to just pick up and play some and Mm -hmm. there's very little aimless wandering in octopath like it's a very much a paint by numbers go here do the thing fight the boss and yeah and that i will also give the game credit like there's a lot of chapters without a final boss which i really like like that's fresh i don't like this idea that and maybe that that works well with having the extra chapters it's not every character has an extra chapter therefore they have an extra boss it's a bit more um you know tailored to that character which i like a lot so it's yeah it's good stuff i'll i'm not gonna say i'm gonna beat the game for next time but i'll I'll be a bit further we'll we'll see yeah yeah that's good um so i was going to talk about another game here but we have spent a long time (laughs) on this episode so i think i'm going to park it but i will mention that i am playing 999 uh the fabled visual novel uh from uh, kotaro uchikoshi and uh, his studio and it's a game that i have been hearing about for literal 
not quite decades yet plural but almost two decades like i think i first heard james jones talk about this game on ds on rfn about 15 years ago (laughs) so like if we're talking about backlog like this is like one of the most backlog backlog games of all time and like since that time i have got very deep into uh, visual novels like um, obviously all the ace attorney games which i was into back then but i've played a lot more since as well as danganronpa as well as ai the somnium files both games which are also uchikoshi games and um, there are some similarities obviously between 999 and and the ai and files one of which i want to call out now which is that um the the sound effect that happens like when you go into a somnium and the somnium files it will do like a uh, a trigger sound that shows like all the different locks uh, that you have to unlock within a memory and when you enter an escape room in um, 999 the sound is exactly the same um it's it's very cool to see that sound design has just been carried forward uh, from this original ds game all the way through uh, to the most recent release in his kind of visual novel oeuvre which came out last year so um yeah i appreciate that about it but um but yeah i i will i'll have a lot to say about 999 next time i also i'm very close to the end i think of the end because i i've done three endings up to this point and um i haven't really pulled back the layers but i was playing it a lot today and i played it about an hour before we started recording as well and like in that last hour or so a lot of story developments have happened to push me to the point where i'm like okay maybe it's better that i actually just finish this and then kind of go all the way in on it and talk all the way through it um because it's a cool game and um there's ups and downs to it for sure but um i will i think i'll get more in depth on it next time but i look forward to because i know a lot of people in our, our discord are, are fans of these games and um been meaning to get around to them for a long time so um i, I finally have and uh, i will be checking in with that stuff next time so I look forward to it but uh before that we have another segment of this show to go which is of course emails from you so don't go anywhere after the break we'll come back and talk about all the emails that you've sent to us and answer those questions see you in a bit back to the show it's time for the second segment and we've not done them in a while but we're gonna do some emails emails if you have an email that you would like to send into the show please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com we also have a channel on our discord server it is called emails you can put your questions your comments in there and we will also cover those on the show um our first email is from benny who is from sweden and says Hey guys, love the podcast and it was great fun hearing you test each other in video game music. Here's to my questions. 
Besides music from video games, what type of music do you listen to? Uh, that's question number one. Question number two, what's your favorite Beatles album and why? And question number three, what's your top three albums of all time? Cheers, Benny. Thanks, Benny. Uh, it's um, Music is something that's very interesting with you and I, Bali, uh, mm. that we, I think, grew up with a lot of similar music taste and yes. were very into music for long periods of time. Um, the reason I play guitar is because of, because of Guitar Hero as well, which is a fun, like, uh, kind of uh, crossover thing. And you've, you played piano for yeah, a long time. Yeah, I played time. piano and clarinet growing up, um, up to kind of grade three level, so not particularly high, but um, I enjoyed it for the time being, but always something I wish I'd pursued harder, but maybe just didn't yeah. get that much satisfaction out of it. As exactly. I got and I try, I try to learn piano back at school, and I was like, I, my teacher was terrible. I just fucking hated it. So um, that was the main issue there. But um, but in terms of uh, music, like in our adult years, mm. I think has just kind of fallen off a cliff. Um, yeah. I I think like this is probably true for some people, um, and I think it depends on like what thing you're into, right? Whereas like games, I keep up on everything, and I'm very much into it. Books, I basically only read like big fancy things and don't read anything else. And music is one of those things where it's like my taste just basically stopped at the age of 18 and has not changed since. And I haven't really found that much music since that age that I have really found myself latching onto or getting into like my taste was very specified of what i like and that was it and then i just kind of stopped and Mm. um i think the advent of podcasts as well changed my habits whereas i would used to listen to music walking places or on buses or on you know planes or whatever and anytime i'm walking around listening to anything now it's always a podcast so i just don't have access to it i think also one of the things that happened with music is we used to have like collections, right? We used to have CDs and load them up onto our iTunes library. iTunes right. libraries, you know, like we're proud of our music collections and listen to them. Exactly. Frequently. And I think one of the issues that I came across was like back when I had phones, like the last 10 years or so, phones have never had great like storage capacity for memory in terms of like holding a bunch of music. And I like, I'm the t- sort of person who wants to have all of my music in one place, right? Uh, collated so that I can call upon whichever thing I want to listen to at whatever time. And like during that transition as well, I think Spotify just kind of became a thing. And you're in this space now where you have to like pay a subscription fee to get music constantly. But also the problem is, is this, it's internet focused. And so if you do want to just be out somewhere you you either have to use your data to listen to it or you have to already previously have downloaded stuff and then back to the problem of like phones not having enough memory like i want something that has like at least 100 gigs free to like have every single piece of music that i want right and so it just it felt i think it's kind of like a mix of weird technology stuff along with my kind of like habits falling off that that made things kind of disappear for a while i don't know if that's kind of true for you as well yeah i'm i'm more or less the same built up like i got into music quite late i must admit like i only listened to basically queen and elton john up until the age of about (laughs) i don't know 12 13 honestly and And, um and what's that guy who was on american idol that one time darius Um, yeah well shout out to darius Darius. of course but there was there was some other guy american idol yeah or no uh pop idol or whatever it was oh, well, young or, or was Gates. um yeah th- them as well but wasn't there like paul no paul potts was the guy from oh, yeah. Talent. Um, paul walker paul weller paul, was weller, paul weller yeah that yeah. guy yeah whoever he was just yeah. some single that i had then yeah you've me- remembered him i just remember life. paul weller being in your room for some fucking reason but yes. uh yeah that's but, uh, so yeah that's really awful music to- well queen is not awful i absolutely no, love queen no. um but 
yeah just massively got into the loads of bands at school really through influential friends including yourself mbz and then mm-hmm. uni definitely kept that train going and then podcasts doing our podcast getting more mm-hmm. invested in video games um life getting in the way just yeah everything a lot of our favorite bands stopping putting out albums we enjoyed was maybe right one factor but all these factors combined yeah completely dropped off i maybe listen to a handful of songs every three weeks or so and i'll just be on my laptop on spotify or something and be like oh, oh okay listen to a little bit of this or oh the bridge have a new album let's listen to a bit yeah of this that and the other and yeah massively dropped off barely listen to anything i'm all video games and more podcasts and very little mm-hmm. else yeah i always get embarrassed at the end of the year where spotify do their rap thing and everyone's <laughs> like i listen like my sister sends me hers and she's like i've listened to nine hundred thousand minutes of music this year and i'm like cool i listened to like 12 and it was this one band that i've just kept listening to for the last four years yeah. uh, and that's the only thing that's changed basically so um yeah i feel like i do a lot of my i l- like i was talking to you um before we started uh recording i tend to go down like rabbit holes on youtube every once in a while so it'll be like mm. one evening randomly it will be like six o'clock and i'll just be on youtube and it will suddenly be 11 p.m because i've just gone down a music rabbit hole where like you know i find like a song that i remember from a band that i liked and then i just go watch a bunch of covers of it yeah, and i'm like same, watching yeah. a bunch of like interviews and stuff like that and then eventually it's like oh shit i've spent a lot of time just like sitting here in this weird bubble just uh reminiscing basically about um kind of older music and stuff like that that i was very into um and i have tried you know like my sister's very good at this about like finding new music and new artists she likes a lot through spotify it feels like spotify is like a big discovery platform these days to just find new music that you're into but i feel like the type of music we're into just doesn't really get made anymore so it's i think it's hard uh to to like have that stuff um you know happen and i do i do do the same thing with game music as well right where i will also go down rabbit holes of like oh i'm you know <laughs> it's a tuesday let's listen to some xenoblade music that tends right. to happen a lot where i'm just like yeah let's just go and find a bunch of stuff and the thing the thing that i you know i think a lot of people have opinions of like reaction content on the internet but one of the things that i do like is that the the nice thing about it is you get kind of fresh perspectives on things that you already know and love and so it's cool to see like a new person being like i'm listening to this song from xenoblade for the first time right like i i like that kind of content out there because it um it it validates and reaffirms your your love of a thing when a new person comes in is like this is good actually um so yeah i do i do actually like that youtube has kind of got a lot of that stuff it's always like music teacher uh reacts to this and uh yeah i don't know that stuff is um is clickbait kind of but it works i think the content is good so i don't know if it is clickbait because because i click it and i enjoy it so um yeah um anyway i don't know where i was really going with that but um but yeah what what type of music do we listen yeah. to Bali? What, what kind of things uh um, do you want to share out definitely rock and different variations of rock mm-hmm. for me rock personally. is kind of a central pillar yeah, with rock like spokes going pillar. on from it yeah um i do enjoy on the side obviously video game music but like disney music and uh-huh. um there's a lot of pop songs i like but I, it's not what none of these things i listen to consistently well i don't listen to anything consistently at the moment but like rock music is the basis for everything now that sometimes everything from metal and like avenge sevenfold to more bluesy stuff like the white stripes and so but then also like very mainstream like foo fires green day but i also mm-hmm. love nirvana like muse like loads of bands alter bridge like loads of bands honestly so just kind of all the things that they do and more mm-hmm. 
yeah and, and mine's very similar i mean i'm i go in slightly different directions like i think really when it comes down to as we talked about guitar hero shaped my taste in music a lot and so if you go and look at the the track list for guitar hero 3 there's like oh clearly you got into metallica because of this and right. paramore was on here and dragon force at one point i don't i don't I haven't listened to dragon force in years but i did get deep into dragon force as a result of guitar hero 3 um so like yeah things like that um I'm, I'm much more i would say pop punky as well um like i like uh panic of the disco a huge amount of fallout boy mm. and um certain songs from my chemical romance i never got deep into my right. chemical romance but they you have do some like good pop stuff. punk but i'm a way bigger like blink 182 fan than you. you're more like, of a classic not yeah, classic punk classic but like slightly different punk, punk. I'm I'm more emo pop punk yes. and you're more like, <laughs> like punk pop you're like punk. The more whiny stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like more whiny. I am into whiny stuff, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um Paramore and uh yeah, Panic are, are big ones for me. So um yeah. I, I think um I do like other stuff as well, more classic stuff that my dad kinda got me into. So um things like uh i don't know like um thin lizzy is is one i guess kind of i got into like sideways through him because also um charlie i think got me a thin lizzy album and i think i got deep into it as a result of that oh, nice. and yeah. um yeah so so they're they're one that's a big influence also i think because metallica mentioned them a bunch of times like james hetfield was like oh yeah thin lizzy's like a big influence on me so i was like well i should probably listen to the thing that influenced metallica so that's that's how i got into them um and uh yeah there's there's some other classics i also grew up listening to a lot of queen as well right so um, we're similar in that way and um yeah i i think that there's there's a lot of stuff i have a lot of appreciation for in the kind of classic rock uh world but um i would say i gravitate generally much more towards i i think we both are like this but melody is king for me mm. like i always will want a song that is more melodic which is why screamo stuff just can't work ever in my yeah. brain i yeah. just can't do it like it it annoys the shit out of me and like i i cannot handle it um you know there are certain bands like disturbed who are not really screamo but they have like elements of that in their songs but like down with the sickness is a banger right like there is there is a, a melodic through line to that song that like even ha if it has the ooh ah, ah, ah stuff like i kind of dig that stuff like it's not that's not full kind of screamo I, i'm talking more like just people who are just the whole song is just like rah, 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 whatever yeah. you know uh which i can't like i just don't find that musical personally um so that's why i have trouble with it but um yeah anything that has a core strong melodic line i'm gonna be into and also anything that's kind of minor key like minor key kind of like mm. sad shit like mm. uh, i think i think that works for me as well uh, and i think a lot of the stuff we're into kind of falls into those categories yeah um yeah but it depends it depends um uh question number two here is interesting because i think <laughs> Because I don't know. I don't, no, here's the thing about it. I actually went on YouTube and I was like, what What are Beatles songs? Because, like, I don't know. I feel like yeah. they're the kind of songs that, like, exist in pop culture so deeply and so ingrained that I'm like, yeah, I probably do like a bunch of these, but I just don't really know that I like them or I don't know that they are Beatles songs. Like, um, I went on YouTube and I was like, help okay i i think i know what that is so i clicked on it. i was yeah. like oh i know this song yeah this is a really good song so like i i'm, I'm aware of beatles stuff and i know the impact they've had on pop culture am i ever gonna sit down and listen to beatles stuff like no like never i don't think ever and i know that's like blasphemous because it's they're, they're supposed to be like the most universal band in the universe i think they probably are right like a lot of their songs and music like have impacted yeah the world yeah. on such a wide scale but like that's, i don't really give a shit about the beatles totally i'm sorry I, <laughs> I don't it's like first of all do i have a favorite beatles album no 
Why? Because I couldn't name any albums. No. The few, the few, I had some Beatles greatest hits when I was younger and listened to a bit of that. And honestly, my opinion is like, right, look at look at the NES, right? Mm-hmm. The NES. Yeah. Incredibly important system. So important. Do I want to play NES games? Not really. Are there a couple mm-hmm. that are pretty good that I've enjoyed? Yes. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, I don't want to play NES games. The Beatles are like The Legend of Zelda on any NES. Wow, okay. Right? Here we go. <laughs> Hugely influential. Um, arguably the reason Breath of the Wild exists. You know, hugely important for the video game industry. Do I want to play The Legend of Zelda on NES? No, I don't. Do I want to no. listen to The Beatles? No. Okay. <laughs> harsh. Am I being overly harsh here? But like, Maybe. I'm just... Yes, they inspired so much. I cannot deny any of this. But the idea yeah. that like I will sit down and enjoy The Beatles, it's just too casual and not my scene at all i need something a bit heavier now there's loads of bands that are lighter that i prefer to the beatles yeah totally, totally. so that's maybe an unfair criticism but they're sure. just not my style in the slightest so yeah. sorry beatles fans what's held what's held up better by the legend of zelda or the beatles <laughs> <laughs> i think the beatles quite clearly honestly like uh you know i think um what in my opinion or like the world's opinion or I don't oh know. no yeah i mean i think in every opinion the beatles has held up better than the legend of zelda the nes game yeah i yeah. think so like obviously yes but yeah, um true. but yeah i mean i was I, I went through youtube today and was like what are beatles songs and everyone i clicked on i was like oh i know that but i didn't know it was a beatles song i think like that's the problem is they're so ingrained into pop culture they're so like a foundational bedrock that like it almost becomes boring because you just know it like it's a oh yeah that's a really good song and like there's a i f- i have an almost intellectual approach to the beatles as opposed to like yeah. an enjoyment approach it's another really is like... awful take but okay like, here we go how much of the beatles are hyped because of the hype at the time you know what oh, i mean sure. like yeah. it's it, here's another video game analogy <laughs> all right it's like the wii you know hugely hyped at the time and but like how much of Wii's history is preserved in history because of system sales and how obsessed people were with Wii Sports versus its wider software sales which Mm -hmm. are kind of atrocious you know like yeah like how much of the Beatles is famous because they were just so insanely big especially in the United States and the UK versus like the the actual melodic structures of their songs and the mm-hmm. impact that had on music. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think there. I think they're pretty, you know, wildly influential. Like, L- let it be. That's a song. Everyone knows that song, right? Like, you know, <laughs> I I like that song, but it's not like I won't get deeply emotionally invested in Beatles music. And I think that might be the thing. Is like for me, music is like an emotional thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't have a deep emotional investment like they're the type of song where you walk into a supermarket and it's on in the background and that's i know that's very mean but i mean like there is a (laughs) have we got any listeners left after i don't think so i don't think so but like it is a type of music that kind of rolls off my back if you know what i mean right like it like i know it's there i know it exists it happens like it's i don't know about it i'm kind of surprised you don't like the beatles because they are basically vanilla ice cream right in a lot of ways so like you know it's it, it feels like um yeah they're great i was, I was listening sure. to some podcast a while back i can't remember which one and they were listing off things that you're just not allowed to not like uh-huh and the two things they gave in this example were the show friends yeah and true. the other one yeah. was strawberries okay strawberries yeah strawberries. Right. you're not allowed to not like strawberries. and i'd actually throw the beatles in there as well i think it's yeah. like considered quite 
it's quite rebellious to not like the Beatles. It's quite yeah. It's a bit out there. It's about oh, you think you're so smart not liking the Beatles, eh? Yeah, know. exactly. But yeah, that, that's just is. the way we are. It's a universal thing, right? It's also I think important to say is like the Beatles existed in a place when monoculture was happening right massively and like, good point yeah monoculture doesn't really happen anymore no. like it kind of does there's bubbles of it but it's just i think during that era there was such limited access to media mm. right like we have everything these days at our fingertips whatever you want to get into deep shit wise you yeah. can do that the whole and... society is broken up into like boomers gen z gen right. x millennials and all mm-hmm. four segments will have incredibly different ways they spend their evenings versus yeah. 50 years ago where everyone's right. watching the same show exactly because that because that's all you had was the radio and the same five channels right so you would have absorbed the beatles and they would have been the culture right mm. and so outside of that um i think like i don't know if they if the beatles rolled up today like and were a new band what's the impact they have that's a fascinating question i think but um, yeah yeah, you can't really do it because they yeah, influenced like everything that came off. Mario 64 them. came out. God, with the video game analogies here, but like, yeah, yeah Mario 64 comes out today. What's its impact? But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. If you're anyway. still listening, shall we get to <laughs> if the third? Somehow, if you're one of the two people who didn't just uh, throw your podcast machine in disgust. <laughs> really sorry to Beatles fans out there, but um, we just got honest takes here. That's that's all we yeah. got to say. MBZ. We just have honesty. Yeah, hello. Three favorite albums. Three favorite albums. Three is a very one. small number. It is a small a one, yeah. Number. But um, but I think I had to go with my heart, like the ones that really spoke to me personally. Um, and I think like the one that has to be on there is American Idiot. Like it's a, it's is Green Day's like second like breakthrough album, right? Because they, uh, you know, with Basket Case and stuff back in the day, um, and Dookie, the original uh, kind of breakthrough album for them, that was like the thing that got them on the map but i think american idiot was their like even more big mainstream play and the thing i love about american idiot is it's just like it's cohesive as an album right when i think album i think like back to front like there's something happening here musically that is synergistic that makes sense that kind of fits together like and it's it's like narrative as well and i'm less interested in that stuff i think both of us are I don't know i just don't really listen to lyrics that well or at least i'm really bad my sister is amazing at this where she'll hear a song once and she can then like tell you every lyric to that song like the second time through and i have no fucking idea how she does it but it's like a superpower and i just don't have that i i will listen to a song for like six years and still not know what the lyrics are right like it's just not how my brain works my my brain latches onto melody like i said and like musicality and i think even you know not really caring about like the the political message of american idiot um or or any of that stuff um i think melodically and musically it it, it tells a story mm. through that stuff enough for me to like latch on to everything within it um and uh yeah i, I love that album. it is, I it is absolutely uh, beautiful like pop rock melodies and yeah. just some and i like the messaging it's a very simple mm-hmm. message arguably oh, sure, but, you know yeah. the whole iraq war and things it really yeah. hit a vibe and i'm not saying i was even aware of american idiot existing during the iraq war no, i got into no. it way later because uh, i was just very slow with all these things but yeah it's it's great i think it's also a great example of an album that has like banger pop punk hits that you can like that are like chart toppers mm. alongside like songs that are like so kind of deep cut but still fantastic like yes. i think every single song on that album has its purpose and is a banger for one reason or another like what's her name is like one of my favorite green day songs right and like 
not many people know that song but it's like one of the best ones on american idiot so um that's for me one of my uh one of my favorites um do you want to jump in with one ballad we'll yeah i'll jump in um weezer's pinkerton Ooh. um weezer are like they're my heart and soul in the way that they are the nerdy slash cool slash university educated nerds that are really into like games and represent like me and everything that i'm into and like mm. my way of life they even dress like me they even like you know <laughs> i'm sure they're into the same drinks as me and all the like they just like rivers cuomo is just like me in an alternate reality and That's i think great. i think a lot of weezer's fan base can obviously relate massively to them but the way that they their lyrics and the way their their sound is just so so everyone talks about Weezer where their early albums are obviously better than their later albums. I still like a lot of their later albums, especially like even like the White Album as late as 2018, 19, I think it was. But I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, Pinkerton and the Blue Album before it, but, but like Pinkerton especially is just, it's very raw, but it's got like, it's just Weezer at their most raw and believable, arguably, where they might have gone off the rails a bit later in life. I just think that Pinkerton is such a... It's, it's really hard talking about music, isn't it? But like, uh-huh. Yeah, man, I would not want to do a music <laughs> podcast. It's yeah. one of those things where I'm like, I love listening to music. I have no idea how the hell to yeah, talk about music. Massive you know? respect to people where they can like say stuff like, and this sounded very crunchy, and that sounded very... <laughs> flat well, not flat i obviously know what flat means but like and then they're using the they're using their head voice and yeah, the nasal voice. and stuff you, like you that you know? i'm just like yeah pinkerton's a great album and it's just a fucking banger yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah anyway i love pinkerton i'm gonna end it there great fantastic um uh, i think one of the first albums that i like latched onto as like this is my thing uh was panic at the disc disco's debut album a fever you can't sweat out which is like it is such a weird album in terms of like the names of tracks and like the lyrics like i think the thing with panic the disco lyrics is like they seemingly make no sense at all but like the way in which those words wrap around the music like for me is so perfect it's like they didn't really think about what the i'm sure they do mean something but it is almost like the words flow because of the way they wrote the kind of melodies of the song and i think that's such a amazing thing and that album is just back to front like built into my brain because it's one of those that i i got i was in ireland i think and the, the way i got into panic disco is very weird it's very kind of um associated with like early internet shit where i was at a friend's house and they showed me this song and it was i think it was the first song on the album uh, and it was basically paired with a Dragon Ball Z like AMV, like so, like back in the day, right? I think AMV still exists, right? But on YouTube, you would have these like anime music videos where people would cut uh, scenes from an anime to a an artist song, right? That was very early YouTube, and I still think AMVs are, you know, they still exist today. It's it's like one of the earliest forms of content creation on the internet, and that song associated with that Dragon Ball Z music video is like so fucking like burned into my brain because I got home and I went onto YouTube and I listened to that song again and again and again. I got my sister into that song and like apparently the disco, one of the bands that me and my sister like both very deeply into because we were very young when we got into them and um, that first album I have listened to countless number of times and I don't know that that many people have that association or attachment to it but like i listen to that album back to front constantly and it's one of those weird ones where i don't i don't this is opposite to american idiot where i don't think any of these are like songs that you could put out as singles like they all feel 
in the same way that the, that uh, album does though they all still feel so cohesive and the same tone and same vibe um that everything's going for and like every piece of that album is just like a part of my existence so like i i had to have that one on here it's probably my number one favorite album of all time if i'm honest like i think it's it's just so tied to uh that era and that point in my life and um yeah i think Phoebe you can't sweat out is like tremendous and obviously they still had lots of big singles and hits from the album but like um yeah every every part of it just like speaks to me as a person so um, nice. yeah that's that's one of mine as well right my next one is blink 182 enema of the state mm. um this album's only 35 minutes long and it just goes so so hard it's i kind of when did i get into this album like yeah it was definitely school like later in school and mm-hmm. just like it just it's just one of those albums where if i'm have it in a certain mood i'll just be like right i just need to listen to this album all the way through it's one of those albums you can do it it's 35 minutes long but like again similar to like american idiot in my opinion it just there's no weak songs it just goes and goes and goes and goes and um i absolutely love it i think that what's there's something about Blink-182 sound where you've got dual vocalists, which is quite, I think it's quite rare amongst ba- bands I like. And like the swapping between Tom Long and Mark Hoppus, where they both have such distinct voices and they and they do lead vocals, basically on the alternating songs, more or less, throughout this album. Combined with like Travis Barker's inc- insane drums, it's just so different to a lot of the other rock and pop rock and pop punk stuff i listen to it's a lot more it's a lot more goofy but they're still so serious about it and the sound when you actually break down their songs are incredibly simple songs but i think it's so much about the like the the delivery and even if they're singing about stupid shit it Mm -hmm. just works in a silly youthful way that Mm. blink 182 are a good example of a band where as they get older they're kind of running out of things to sing about because yeah. they were so great for singing about goofy teenage shit and it's yeah. like that's what this album was all about and it just kind of worked in a way where i was definitely too old for a lot of the messaging when mm-hmm. i was like getting into this album but it still holds up as an album and definitely makes me feel more youthful and i absolutely love it enema of the state i think that's part of the thing we're running into with these bands generally the ones that we like is that they the type of music they make uh tends to be like kind of centered around youth in that way Mm. and as soon as they get older like they can't really do that anymore and so like you know the direction that paramore has gone in for example is like cool i still think their songs are good but it's not for me anymore right because that's not because they're they've grown out of that and they're grown into a different direction but i still like that sound of what they used to do and um that's that's a tough thing i think and it's probably why uh we kind of fall off these bands because they because they evolve and we're like now nah, we're just we just want you to stay the same because our taste is still locked of uh in an 18 year old's uh kind of yeah, like totally. um body but um yeah i don't know what that says but anyway i think that's definitely the case um my last one uh is is for a band who i think needs more plaudits in the world uh and uh one day i just I, I spent the last hour on youtube before recording just like be, just looking up stuff and like watching stuff and people reacting and all that sort of stuff uh it's all to bridge valley and mm. of course i have to choose blackbird blackbird is like a it's, it's my favorite Alter bridge album as well yeah. yeah it's it's like every song hits 
and there's variety there as well like you have stuff that goes extremely hard like ties that bind and then you have watch over you which is like it's such it's probably like the quietest like most melancholy like it's a, an acoustic song it's a song that works on a stage with miles and a guitar and nothing else so right on, live it's soft the whole way through but the, yes. the album version is like a, a soft to loud yeah song. yeah totally yeah. but it's, it's, it is the type of like it's like green day's um uh, good riddance or right. like Met- metallica's um nothing else matters right it's mm. their it's their softer kind of like more like i don't know wider mainstream friendly song but still an absolute banger uh, and still an absolute classic and um and yeah i i think like songs like wayward one as well are just like oh they're just like mm. it's that end mm. of album track that always gets me like what's her name on, on american idiot like that's a i always like an end of album track that has like a bit of spice to it you know and, and that's what wayward one feels like it is like um but blackbird for me blackbird might be one of my favorite songs of all time like that that song is just like so rich in so many ways and the way that it like goes through different phases and like the build up to the solo and all that stuff blackbird's incredible song and an amazing album and um yeah more more people need to recognize the god voice that is miles kennedy because holy shit that dude has a range like talk about vocal range i don't think there is anyone in rock who has a greater like more robust vocal range than miles kennedy his his voice is outstanding and um there is i was just telling you about there's a there's a song that they did in, on ab3 their third album called words darken their, their wings where uh, mark tremonti who also in the band formerly of creed which that's another thing i could go into in my music taste of like i was very into nickelback and creed so judge me all you want like here's me <laughs> don't like the beatles Hate, yeah creed. Love hating nickelback. the beatles but shout out to creed basically that's where i'm at so uh, all your hate mail uh yeah address it to uh to to me on twitter um but anyway um mark tremonti also you know formerly of creed and that's how alter bridge kind of was birthed from creed obviously creed imploded and um alter bridge uh, came out of that and um on in this song like he and miles both sing kind of dueling vocals but there's a there's a note at the end of this song that is like extremely high and there's a performance of them doing this at the royal albert hall and miles takes this note and fucking belts this thing like absolutely there's vibrato on it it's like fucking insane like this dude just takes this note that is like impossible and like sings it with the kind of conviction and vigor of, of someone who's like yeah i can just nail this every time right like any of these unbelievably impressive um and yeah i think that uh yeah more people need the the good word of miles kennedy because that that dude is a god uh absolute insane uh vocalist um not to uh put anything off of uh people like brendan yuri because i also think brendan yuri is like a stunning vocalist from panic at the disco so um yeah that's that's usually what i go for is like people who are exceptional vocalists as well uh who can carry melodies uh, alongside that heavy stuff so uh yeah blackbird from alter bridge is probably my my third one yeah I love Blackbird as well. It's on my list. It just didn't like make top yeah, three. Yeah, top three. But, yeah. Uh, my number three, I, these in order? I don't even know if these in order. I, yeah. I'm missing so many great ones. We can yeah. briefly list them. But um, I'm going to go with Elephant by The White Stripes. Oh, okay. Um, this is just like, I think, a, the coming together of all the best ideas of what The White Stripes are all about, where it's bluesy, it's rock, it's raw. But it's also like they Jack White really went through lengths to record this album on really retro equipment, and now I sound like a music snob, but like 
I think it adds a lot to this album. And of course, Seven Nation Army, and I must admit, I'm a bit sick of that song and the way that it's just dominated a generation. But it's almost come be- be- Beatles-esque in a way, right? Totally. It's just like, That's oh, you've just heard example. that a million times, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's funny that Jack White gave an interview saying, someone asked him, like, where did the name Seven Nation Army even come from? And he said when he was younger, he misheard people say that the Salvation Army was the Seven Nation. <laughs> anyway, fun story. But um, I, I just think this album is so impressive. And obviously, I think Jack White himself, I'm a big fan of like the Dead Weather, the Raconteurs, Jack White's in solo stuff. But the White Stripes is where I think he was finding himself the most and obviously reached massive mainstream success and you know all of that he's just a very unusual guy and honestly in my opinion one of like the most talented musical people since the beatles i don't know since since whenever like he is he's he's important to the generation of music and kind of what he's done and i think he's a big like music archivist as well like he's very into like how do we protect music and its history and all these things so um, that's not i'm i'm going off beat off piste from the album here but like i absolutely love um elephant like i i got into this a couple of my friends charlie and luke like they were obsessed by jack white and i got into him a bit later than than them and elephant is definitely the best white stripes album like there's there's a few great ones but this is this is the best of the best and i love it it's raw it's heavy and i think i can describe all these albums as raw and heavy to me because mm-hmm. that's kind of what yeah. i like it's you do notice when the band is at their peak versus like when they're churning out albums and i'm not saying jack white's ever churned out an album but i'm just trying to say like elephant is definitely like him at the peak of his powers in my opinion it's it's great amazing yeah um i uh i, I never really got that into um that stuff but i know you're have always been a huge fan of it and um, yeah. and seen him live and stuff and uh yeah yeah that's uh that's it's really really cool um i just want to give a shout out to one artist who is close to both of our hearts uh who needs uh you know uh, no introduction but is a classic of the uh the late 2000s <laughs> or the early 2000s uh late 90s uh, of course britney spears i britney mean come spears. on come the fuck on like holy <laughs> shit britney spears fucking kills it like every single time uh yeah like <laughs> over your uh stag do like we just spent ages just fucking listening to britney spears stuff like we're like drunk as hell like trying to get to sleep and we're like hey let's just listen to some fucking britney spears just, and that was so good tunes absolutely smack they are just oh so God. strong so yeah. strong yeah amazing stuff so um yeah to- uh, tier list number one britney spears and then all the rest that we just all talked about obviously exactly. um yeah she- she's the greatest of all time um, do you want to run through quickly a handful of other albums oh sure if you want to go through some other bands or stuff that you, yeah. you want to shout out yeah uh shall i just run through mine quickly yeah go for it uh, avenge sevenfold city of evil it's kind of was it their breakthrough i think it was kind of their breakthrough it's like yeah, before I don't know. the big albums um obviously the rev was still with them and like he was such a crucial part of like the songwriting this this album is just very i mean visually they tried to make like the album work look a lot like iron maiden i don't know if it sounds as much like iron maiden but it's Ooh. it's the most kind of melodic fast heavy album i'd say i think a lot of the other ones slow down a lot like some of the best tracks on nightmare i think are like city of evil in my opinion where city of evil is just so consistent all the way through um Mm -hmm. and then i'm a big nirvana fan and i think of course the best nirvana album kind of has to be nevermind i'm a big fan of in utero um but nevermind i think is more consistently strong um and yeah blackbird we've already talked about i absolutely love that and then 
Muse is a really big band that we've been to see live a few times. Yeah, um, yeah. Trying to think, I I'd probably go with Origin and Symmetry, honestly. Like, yeah, um, Origin and Symmetry is pretty good. I would go Black Holes and Revelations personally. Yeah, That's the one no, that I, I got can, into them I can, with. I can, I can be tempted by that way as well. So yeah, there's a couple of Muse albums, but there's loads more. I, and there's one more I want to shout out <clears throat> is Queen and mm. the two best albums I think are Night at the Opera and uh, Sheer Heart Attack, like the the old stuff, the good stuff. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah um for me uh i would say probably oh god i think ride the lightning might be my favorite metallica album front to back just like i think metallica has great songs on all of their albums but like i think ride the lightning is the one where every single piece of it i'm like yes that's a great song fade to black ride the lightning right i believe fade that, to black that's is, my yeah. number one metallica song by by a mile actually fade to black's amazing yeah. it's um uh for whom the bell tolls uh uh creeping death call of cthulhu which is like the uh instrumental um before what's his face died cliff um yeah died um uh, master of puppets is a great album as well but i think red lightning is probably the one that i like the most overall um i think the black album is still very good also um but yeah lots of amazing metallica stuff um biffy clyro only revolutions yeah. like that's a seminal album for me i think that's a excellent piece of work and um yeah one that really got me into into that band um i didn't really get that much into their other stuff but that album stands out as like a a solid classic um i think riot from paramore is like the the one that got me into that band as well like obviously misery business is like the the song um but every song on that album is a banger and i think overall it's just a really cohesive piece of work um i think like all time low have lots of but mm. albums that i like a lot i'm not sure if there's one in particular but just i like them generally um and then for me like a classic one that i got into when i was much younger is some 41 who yes. i love yes. um and i kind of go between does this look infected and chuck as my two favorites like does this those... look infected is more consistently good in my it opinion, is more consistent chuck has yeah. no reason and we're all to blame which are yeah, better songs yeah. chuck is a heavier album does yeah. this look infected is more of a poppy album um but they're both like fantastic um and and i also wanted to shout out a band called crystalline who is like the band i most recently got into who i got into because i was watching this twitch streamer and she was like oh i've got music and i was like i'll check that out i'm like holy shit this fucking rocks like this (laughs) stuff is so good um and uh yeah i think that the band kind of dissolved and she's just just twitch streaming now but um yeah crystalline with a y uh on spotify they are very good um and yeah i think the band i got onto before that hey can you do you like know i like female vocalists with like uh pop albums uh pop punk albums that's um that's kind of what i'm into uh, and tonight alive is another yeah. one that i've recently um I think god, recently, they went off the deep end. <laughs> yeah god yeah it was not great but um the other side which is the the album i think maybe their second album uh it was awesome like it's it's so so good so that was one that i got very very into i i say recent i'm like wait that was probably like seven years ago now so i don't know i've i've not been deep into music in a long time but you can clearly tell from all the stuff that we're talking about we used to be very very deep yeah. on, on this stuff and just kind of has, has fallen off but uh, in any case that's that's how it went um but yeah there you go yeah, that that's was um, quite a discussion on that's yeah that was a lot and jesus again apologies to the beatles fans out there um right our next uh email is from jackpot who's from british columbia which is in canada says speed running ever thought about trying it if you had to pick a game to attempt a world record 
Which game do you think you'd have the best shot? I find events like GDQ fascinating. The display of skill from the runners is amazing. I don't think I could ever have that level of concentration to master one game, nor do I think I would want to, considering that I like to spend time playing lots of different things all the time. Curious on your thoughts, best jackpot. Speed running is cool. I think it's cool, uh, and I, it's one of those things that I don't think I would ever get into, but like... I remember some of the first internet stuff we got deep into was like Ocarina of Time speedrun mm. stuff where I would download videos from the internet um, from a guy called TSA, right? Um, oh, yeah. And and uh, I was like, look, this guy, he's amazing, so cool. Later, I found out, like, year, like I think only last year I found this out, that TSA is, in fact, Michael Damiani of Easy Allies, <laughs> and that's fucking wild to me. Like, <laughs> what the hell? This was something that we were downloading in, like, I don't know, 2007 or 2006? Like, early, early internet um, of us, like, getting into, like... We're just very into Zelda, I think, right? We're just, yeah. like, so deeply into Zelda, and, like, we got into that by, like watching speed runs downloaded from speed demos archive because like that was the only internet video stuff you could kind of download at the time this was like pre-youtube i guess in in some ways and um yeah i i remember that very vividly and very fondly and um and then like when stuff like twilight princess started getting speed run at these events like i remember both of us being like oh shit that's so cool like look all this glitches and, like how you can finish twilight princess or wind waker in like these wild ways so like i think i think zelda has always been such a core pillar of the speed running community but it's kind of the way that i got into it um in in a way as well um so yeah how about you bally how what's your feelings on speedruns yeah i don't watch a ton honestly and like i have watched the occasional i kind of watch a bit of chunks here and there of gdq like it's very mm-hmm. hard to just like keep up with the community and what's going on and these yeah. sorts of things and my experience of speedrunning is honestly i can i wouldn't does this kind of speed i would honestly class things like like time trials honestly and stuff like mario kart that's kind of like the closest i've ever gotten to like elite play you might want to mm, say or like sure yeah. so I, at uni me and my flatmate we could just go at it at mario kart on wii and we'd have a, just on mario circuit every day he'd play as one character i'd play as another and we would just like if he was in lectures i'd be just constantly trying to get the best time and he and then we'd swap around and he would constantly be trying to get the best time and we would just go back and forth until we just erase like erasing tiny tiny chunks of time just constantly off each other's times that was very satisfying but um i think before that honestly maricot time trials with double dash were a big thing i was into and that was back in the nom days nintendo mm, magazine yeah 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 and they'd have loads of people write in with their time trials at their best times i think i even like opened it up to like across europe or something and asked loads oh, wow. of people to write in and i would like try and beat the times on all the tracks there and i managed to do it on like quite a good chunk of the tracks on the sales i'm i'm the fastest in europe at this track because i beat the time on the nom i remember <laughs> you doing that yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. and that's the closest i've come and they got a real and that's kind of why my original gamecube analog stick is so buggered is that yeah. it's just like constantly playing double dash yeah um but i think ultimately i don't want to be a mono gamer and it's no. really like obviously with the podcast it'd be kind of boring if i just checked in every single episode like yeah so i got this time on this track or hey i beat zelda a little bit faster and you know so like it's interesting hearing... i don't know like i don't it's interesting you say that because um 
Dan Reichert recently. I was literally about to raise uh, Dan, yeah. Yeah, into speedrunning Punch-Out, right? And I actually really like hearing his his check-ins of like, this is what I learned and this is what I was doing. Like, he almost is taking like a training montage, right? And reporting back on like what what kind of skills did he do to kind of push things further and and explaining the intricacies of it and like what Mm. you need to do and like being frame perfect for this what final fight that he has to do and that sort of stuff. So... I don't know. I know it might be interesting actually to like speedrun a game and, and do it every time. Honestly, if I was to get into speedrunning, it would probably be an action based game. Um, yes. Like Mario Kart, like Punch Out, I don't mm-hmm. know. But like, yeah. listening to Dan, he's honestly put me off more than he's convinced me because oh, okay. hearing about like his wrists and essentially carpal tunnel syndrome, right? Like, right, and yeah. icing he's done and stuff like, I, I play a lot of video games and I'm always a little bit wary in the back of my mind, like, is there long-term damage I'm doing to, like, my, like, Well, we hands? don't really know, right? Because this generation is the first to grow up with it. So no one has gotten to, like, no one has had a full 78 totally. years of life playing games and seeing what it does at the yeah. end. So we're, like, the first generation test case of that. Totally. And my, and my ethos is as long as I always play a balance of games that is not just pure action and intense boss fights after intense boss fights or just doing Mario Kart time trials or just playing Mario Party mashing as long as I'm or pl- just playing Federation Force or just non-stop. playing <laughs> Federation Force non-stop god that game stuff um as long as I'm mixing up with 60 hour RPGs that are a lot less um intense on my hands and these sorts of things my ethos is that I'll probably be fine and like yes I might need to ice pack once in the future I don't know who knows but that's my ethos the idea that i would just hammer my hands up against a single game like punch out or super punch out and just try and that really kind of terrifies me and would massively put me off speed running honestly mm. um yeah plus i i have a, a kid and no time so i'm not of course exactly yeah gonna, <laughs> no, it's just not gonna happen i'm not gonna suddenly take up another hobby right now but um, yeah exactly that's kind um, of how i feel in terms of like watching speed runs do you prefer ones because i think there's kind of a split between people do you prefer speed runs that are like super glitchy and like getting to the end by any means possible i prefer no glitch i prefer no oh, glitch. you just prefer like doing it fast yeah, basically yeah. i yeah. think exposing glitches obviously is a skill yeah but i think there's something more relatable about watching something like i know celeste with mm. no glitches and you right. know it's like i i can play celeste i could i could do this it's like I, I don't feel like i would have to learn a glitch to be on their level i'd feel like i just have to get better at the game which feels like a different trajectory that's mm-hmm. more appealing to me i know you're all about the glitches oh right? i'm the total opposite right, totally. like i'm like i'm like show me the fucked up shit you can do absolutely like that was the thing that got me so interested in zelda speed runs was stuff like people trying to like get over the invisible wall in wind waker at the bottom of hyrule right like but which i still think is impossible i still think no one has found a way of doing that it's like an impossible thing that speedrunning community has never been able to do is like get past that invisible barrier into hyrule in wind waker but like the way the ocarina of time has been utterly fucking broken to where you put in these inputs at the very beginning of the game and you warp yourself from the first boss room literally to the credits and like it's i love that i think it's so cool that people have figured out like have reverse engineered the game to such an extent that they have 
like found these invisible triggers and all this stuff that like essentially tricks the game into thinking it has been finished um i think that stuff is fascinating like i've watched a bunch of elden ring speedruns after finishing that game and like there are a couple of different categories where there's this one category where there's this one thing that you can do that basically warps you across the map uh, instantaneously and it is like frame perfect shit like really impossible to do but if you pull it off you can beat elden ring in about six or seven minutes it is wild um and there's other stuff that you can do in that game where like uh you can get torrent to basically run across any piece of um like anywhere basically as if there's land so he's like basically floating on air like a flying horse essentially and that is used a bunch of times in the kind of regular non uh non-full like it still uses glitches like stuff like that but it's not the full kind of like teleport one that um a lot of people right. do and that speed run still takes like 30 minutes so like i think there are like de- um variations um of you know which kind of glitches you use and which ones are like thought of in different ways um and yeah i i I love the kind of variance that happens there but also the thing that i like about it is generally those speed runs are always going to be like maximum 40 minutes long right so i don't have to spend two hours watching someone do a perfect celeste speed run which i'm sure is very impressive but to me it's like well it just it's two hours i want to see something quick happen right it's called speed running for a reason (laughs) i want to see something in under 30 minutes that's impressive and i think that's why i gravitate towards that stuff a bit more um and also just like it's stuff i've never seen before right whereas i think more straight ahead just do it whatever way is more like yeah this is this is what i expect to do you're just doing it very you're just like doing it nailing every single aspect essentially so Mm. Yeah. What game would you speedrun? And I know the answer to this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the number one answer is Metroid Fusion, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the game that I know so intimately well that I would want to. The ironic thing, though, is I've never actually got the fastest ending uh, uh, for Metroid How Fusion, which. That? I think it's sub two hours if you can do, and this is going by in-game clock, right? So in-game clock is slightly different from outside of that, where the in-game clock doesn't count cutscene time and stuff like that and loading to save rooms and all those sort of things. It cuts it out. It's just pure movement. Like if you're on a map screen, it doesn't count that time, all that sort of stuff. So um, I've never been able to do that, but I've never really tried. I think part of the reason why is every time I play Metroid Fusion, my brain is like, I know where all these things are, so I need to get them, right? So I'm like, oh, I know if I break that block there, I'm going to get a missile tank. So I'm just going to do it because I need to collect. Like, my brain is so collection hungry with this series that, like, I want to have all the missile tanks and I want to have all the energy uh, tanks as well. And that kind of breaks me from doing it faster because mm. i'm always going to every room because as you know i have a sickness where i need to fill in every fucking square um to, to the point but, but also beating the game with so few energy tanks is that's more my wheelhouse of beating super metroid you know? yeah like, exactly it's a lot harder it's, as well it's hard i think metroid i personally think metro fusion is a really tough metroid game with some tough bosses and the idea of oh, play, yeah. beating some of those bosses with limited energy tanks is is that's hard stuff yeah same with dread right like they're both very similar in that way they're both really challenging games and so you kind of want to have a lot of health so that you can survive those later encounters but speed running requires that you survive all of them uh with minimal stuff because you're kind of skipping over all of those little things which i think would make it quite hard i don't know i think that like there are a lot of like technical things that go into games like fusion and dread that i don't know that my hands have the ability to pull off right like even stuff where like 
I remember when we got back to Melee and we're like, can we wave dash? And we're like, no, very quickly. We're like, I don't think we can ever fucking do this. Like, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, so stuff like that, where I think you kind of need to learn it young and get good at it. And like, eventually you'll you'll get there. It's, it's much harder to approach these days uh, when you're older. So, um, but I'm, I'm similar to you in that I... I think it has to be something action focused, but I think even more so than that, it has to be something movement focused. And that's why I think Dread would be a lot of fun because it is so fluid and fast and you just get places. But, you know, stuff like Celeste and Hades are good examples of games where it's just like fluid movement. Hades is a weird one because roguelikes and speedruns is always is always tough because like there's random elements there. So how do you account for that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how that works, but um, as a more recent example, something like Oli Oli World, where, you know, you just learn the course and you just fucking nail the timing on everything, that sort of thing. Um, because like there is a set kind of length of those courses and a set kind of speed maximum that you can hit and like what is the exact apex and the point that you hit in order to nail it and get through it first time right that sort of speed challenge which kind of like goes into stuff like wario land right like i think wario land of all the mario platformers would be one i'd get into speed running especially because pizza towers just come out and pizza tower looks like super movement focused like those types of games i would get very into um and generally i would say 2d games over 3d games because with 3d games it feels like there's so much more room for error and messing up and specific placement in 3d space right like for that elden ring trick to work like you have to be in very specific spots and like very specific frames in order to do that and in a 2d game there's just less parameters so it's easy i would i would think anyway it'd be easier to pull off speedrunning tricks because you only have to deal with two planes of uh, existence versus in 3d where it's just right. like really much harder to be like frame perfect and nailing it every single time um so i think the only kind of 3d game i would attempt would be something like titanfall 2 where it's really movement focused and it's about speed and like one of the fun things about titanfall 2 is it's it's opening a tutorial is essentially a speed run level and you should look this up if you haven't seen it before but titanfall 2 speed running for that first opening tutorial is like one of the most popular things out there because it's like the entire thing is like an obstacle course built for precision speed like absolutely nailing every single aspect um i remember brad shoemaker over at giant bomb spent a bunch of streams trying to like nail the the times on that thing and trying to like beat some of the the times which are really really difficult to do uh, because it just requires absolute precision but titanfall 2 is a game that's all about momentum and movement and wall running and double jumping and speed it's just it's purely focused on that so um stuff like that or like sunset overdrive or like games that just are really momentum based mm, i would mm. i would get into for speed running i think what about you Bally? oof i mean mario doesn't really count i guess but i think it does count like i, I think so. if you're talking about time trials I, i'd call that a form it's kind of like the highest I'm just trying to think of the games I'm probably the highest level skill in, and honestly, it's probably Mario Kart. I don't think there's many games I'm that particularly high skill in, <laughs> honestly. Like, then the most game I'm most familiar with is honestly something like Wind Waker. But um, as we've talked about, the popularity of Zelda—that's a pretty high threshold. Of, yeah, like, trying to get on on in on those time trials is pretty hard. And honestly, I don't think there's a ton of other games I'm that good at. Honestly, like I'm. Actually, I'm pretty good at 3D platformers. What's a 3D platformer? I, I think Odyssey pursue? might be a fun one to yeah, do. Yeah, Odyssey, you know? something like that. Like, I, I prefer. I think I'm better at 3D platformers than 2D personally. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah I'd, I'd probably go for something like an odyssey or even Mar- like mario sunshine like i'm i'm quite good at mario sunshine i'll take it let's do that yeah sunshine or i think i think odyssey is a fun one because like even regular play of odyssey you almost feel like you're doing speedrunner stuff yeah, right like totally. the whole hat throw to dive to jump to hat throw again to die like there's a real you really have to press a lot of buttons to make that work properly. And it definitely took a while, I remember playing that game for the first time, to be like, how do I nail the maximum jump distance here with this hat throw? And there's a speedrunniness to that, right? Like, it's, it feels like a technique in a way. And I'm sure, obviously, speedrunners in Odyssey do a lot wilder shit than that. But I think that um, that as a... Just the, the level of expressivity you have in Odyssey to move around means that you almost feel like you have those capabilities yeah. from the get-go. So, yeah, I could see that working for you, definitely. Yeah. But, um, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. I'm like, no, like I said, I want no. to keep my hands intact. It's fine. Just wait until you're like Dan and have a midlife crisis <laughs> and then suddenly get into speedrunning Wind Waker. It'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah, we'll get the it. ice packs ready. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, well... That is going to do us. Uh, thanks, everybody, for writing in. But as always, we still need more emails. So, Bally, where can they send them to? Please send them to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Fantastic. Um, appreciate everybody sending stuff in. Uh, if you've never done it before, go ahead. Go do it. You can also hop onto our Discord and do it. And uh, that's a, a fun way to get involved. So, uh, check that stuff out. Bally, it's time to get on out of here and go and do things. Um, and. I don't know. Wait for Zelda, Wait which for is, Zelda. is just, just approaching. Like, yeah, yeah, approaching very rapidly. But um, yeah, uh, you can find us all over the place on the internet. Uh, first thing you can do is if you would like, you can go and support us on patreon.com. It's a fun place to go and you can get some bonus episodes and things like that. So Bali, uh, who do we have to thank for our Patreons this week? Uh, thank you to our $10 plus patrons. They are Zach S, Thomas, Matthew, Albert and Wicked Gamer UK Allen. But thank you also to all of our patrons uh it's usually appreciated the support you give the show we've got a couple of bonus shows over there on one dollar and two two dollar tiers so mm-hmm. check those out uh, and yeah. if you want to hear my fun travels in america yes. uh, i've been popping that onto the bonus kind of extra things we're doing for five dollar patrons so um yeah if you want to hear me basically audio logging my way around america um there's spicy chicken sandwiches involved uh-huh. there's disneyland involved there's gdc yeah mbz walking up to random video game celebs and saying hi it's, uh-huh. it's it is well worth a listen I, I had a really good time with that one yeah there's also me going up a hill and being like hey this is like what happened in sonic adventure 2 battle uh, and then talking about that for five and he said moaning about ubering everywhere oh and, yeah um, moaning about the united states generally so that's, uh-huh. that's good it's a good time yeah so check that out if you feel so inclined you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash this nintendo life um obviously you can find us on other places on the internet uh you can find me on twitter at lord nbz where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman 91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 amazing you can also find the podcast twitter at tnl podcast that's where you want to go for all the stuff related to the show wow rhyme that's magic um and uh, yeah you can uh, can just head on over there it's a fun time um obviously you can find the show in various places such as spotify such as stitcher such as any podcasting app that you have available to you where you can go into a search thing and type in this nintendo life and just hit the download subscribe button it's a great thing you'll get it to your device every couple of weeks it's amazing it's, it's magic it's, it's truly the world that we live in now is crazy you know like we recorded an episode and i i scheduled it and then it came out and i was in america i didn't have to press any buttons it just magic went on the internet look at that the 
internet it's magic it's amazing um so uh so yeah do that um and uh and i think that's it um i think that's that's probably everything guess, uh, that we have guess what today. is coming out mbz um oh gosh uh a movie I guess. Oh yeah, we are gonna uh, we are gonna go see the Mario yeah, movie, That's which I think we're shot. gonna be a little late to the party on that because uh, everyone probably has, has seen it by this point. But yeah. you know, we'll uh, we'll come with we'll some talk nuanced about it takes. Next time. I was actually gonna say um, it is finally the return of Advance Wars. Oh, I totally to forgot our Nintendo about Nintendo systems. Yeah, and I don't know how I'm gonna be Octopath Traveler in time, but I'm gonna try. And okay, yeah. So I'm excited for a bit of reboot camp. Uh, it's looking good yeah definitely Car- caroline's um, interested in playing it as well Ooh, um, that's cool here's another thing caroline was so sold on zelda that we're buying two copies of zelda Cheers uh-huh. to so, <laughs> this is what happens yeah. this, this is, is the price you pay happen. yeah uh yeah it's 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 cool i think like that's the fun thing about this game as well is like trading stories about it right and just seeing what yeah. happens and what everyone else comes different up different direction to me and oh totally I'm like, i found this thing and she's like, yeah I found this thing. And, like, and you'll be like oh no i can't look at the screen for spoilers when we both played breath of the wild i think you were like 20 30 hours ahead of me i think but I there was, were still yeah. things i was seeing that you hadn't seen yet oh yeah just we just, where we were on the map and stuff that's so, the thing that's, that's the joy, the joy of it, it. yeah uh-huh so looking forward to some more of that joy uh and uh yeah it will, will be coming soon but i think that's gonna do us it's gonna wrap us up um so thanks everybody for listening we will be back soon with some more video games and nintendo chatter until then thanks so much we'll see you next time bye-bye folks interlude used on today's show was sonic's theme from the murder of sonic the hedgehog copyright sega 2023